Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support the show, go to patreon.com slash laststandmedia. Salutations, everybody. It is Maddie here today, and welcome to episode 144 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast. Today, as always, I'm joined by he's above 90 open critic, Lord <laughs> Cognito. How are you doing today, sir? I'm hanging in. I'm doing good. I'm doing good, you know, feeling good. good. You know, a lot of um a lot of stuff going on but behind the scenes, but so I've been really busy, but um Man, it's a lot of games. <laughs> yeah, yeah we've both been busy. Usually we talk a lot before the show, but I feel like yeah. this week we, we just haven't communicated much. Talk. Yeah. Rare time. We're coming in kind of cold here. Yeah, we got to reacquaint. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah, it's just been, it's been a busy time. Like, on the personal stuff with stuff on the, the back end and specialists, and doctors, and then gaming is, you know, it, it is so much going on. So I just have not had time to talk to people. <laughs> I hear it, bro. It's, yeah, how you been, man? I have been all right. I've been uh, reviewing a lot of games. We'll we'll be talking about that a lot this episode. It's been a kind of slow news week. You talking about your health reminded me to put on my uh, my Albert uh-huh. West glasses. So thank you. Um, but yeah, otherwise, gearing up because uh, next weekend I'm going away on like a little little spa trip. I'm very little, excited. Little retreat, little retreat. Yeah, yeah gonna. Focus on relaxation and decompression. I, I usually try to like save it for nothing's got to be happening in gaming, but lately is like, let's just do a weekend trip. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Let's do that. So we're going to next weekend. I'm very excited for that uh, just to disconnect for a little bit because I've, I, you know, I've like last, what was it last week? I think I was like, yeah, I'm feeling a little burnt out, but I was like, yeah. no, I'm not. I think I just need to rest for like a day or two, 
because I just immediately got back on the sticks and I was like, yeah, yeah, it's like I love gaming, man. Like, <laughs> so you need to get some time to recover, but uh, otherwise Absolutely. doing pretty well. Good, good. No, I agree with you. I think that uh, decompression, disconnect time is important. I don't do it enough. I need to take more mm. advantage of it. So I am with you on that. Enjoy that time. Yes, I'm going to. Absolutely. Because uh, just nice days at the spa, sitting in the baths. I'm I'm trying to swear to myself that I'm not going to bring games with me. Like, that. that's the one thing I want. Just like one weekend to like just read and write. Love you. Really connect with that side of myself a little bit more. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Defining Duke and Xbox podcast. We appreciate you tuning in to what has been a pretty slow week in the terms of news, but a fast paced week in the terms of releases. We got a lot of games to talk about, so we'll get into all of that. As always, if you want to support the show, we appreciate that. You can go to patreon.com slash Media, where early access for episodes of Defining Duke go live on Thursdays. You can also access DDU, which we're going to have an episode of that out this week. It'll be episode 120. So keep an eye out on that. That comes out on Sundays. And otherwise, Cog, this is the place that people can write in. We have a lot of write-ins. We were just talking a little bit about health and relaxation and bettering ourselves. So let's talk with Walter Boley, shall we? Mm-hmm. Hey, Duke's got to give a shout out to Health is Wealth. I've been big for a while. I'm 6'4", and two months ago, I was flirting with 300 pounds. I knew I needed to take control, but a full-time job and two kids made it tough for me mentally to commit to a workout regime. I have to give, give credit. Your Health is Wealth episode with Colin, I think it, it, I might have accidentally chopped out Cog here. I have to give credit to Cog. Your Health is Wealth episode with Colin really kicked me in the ass and got me into the gym and diet. I'm currently down 30 pounds and I'm going to keep going. I've made new habits and taken control of my impulses. I just want to shout out what you're doing and what you're saying matters. Thanks, Dukes. And have a don't ask what happened to space grandma kind of day. <laughs> I know what you did. I know what you did. Nah, Walter, what's up, man? Now, nah, this is this is really cool. Again, you know, I know sometimes with the Ellis Affair, when I, when I was in my, my villain arc, currently in my villain arc recently, but this is what matters to me. You know, like the health as well stuff, guys being around, taking care of themselves. And, and and this is important to see, you know, Walter make that that level of commitment, take control of life, take control of, of the weight and stuff like that. That's what it's about. man. We, we need to be around. There's a lot. As we said, there's a lot of games coming out. I know you want to play them. But if we don't take care of business, if we don't take care of the basic things and my at least and monitoring our health, getting the information to say, OK, let me go get tested. Let me see how the blood work is doing. Let's mm-hmm. see what what it's telling me and then make the adjustments. This is dope, man. I'm, I'm very proud of you. Keep it up, man. We ain't going to talk about space, Grandma, but we, we <laughs> like what you're doing out there. <laughs> you're an evil man for what you did for if you wanted that ship that bad. Damn. <laughs> Walter, very proud of you. Uh, I'm, and we're glad that the content connects. And that's why we kind of opened the show with like, how are you doing on a genuine level? Because I, I noted a lot of podcasts are always like, how you doing? Good, good, good. Yeah, like, everything's good. Yeah, everything. just dealing with seasonal depression, crippling debt. And they're like, I'm great. <laughs> it's just like, keep it honest. Keep it open. And we we try to encourage that. We don't think every show needs to do that. Not every show has to, but you know, I, I like that we do genuinely have that connection with the audience because I think through all the games, this is what does matter at the end of the day. So if people can take away something beyond a game opinion, um, then we're doing a pretty damn good job. So Walter, we're happy that you've connected with the message, but be proud of yourself for doubling down and going through what like that's the thing I've I mean I'm I'm not a father or anything, but like that's the biggest thing I've struggled with with like owning a home 
two dogs, one of them being a brand new puppy and, and, and all the other tasks I have to balance is I've struggled to find me time and I've had to recenter more times than I ever had before because I just keep catching myself getting away and I can see how people get away from working out because it can just become this like, I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it later. Um, and so having at home options is my next goal. Like I found out I've always wanted a Peloton. And I found out that you can rent one. I was like, okay. And then eventually I like, buy based off that price. So I want to try it out because for me, there are days like I like to run and jog, uh, but I want something low impact. Um, that's what I've been searching for for a while. And I'm not going to get a pool just for that. So uh, I want to get a Peloton um, nice. and then have the outdoor bike option. But just when it's freezing cold or I just don't have the time or work gets away and I want to work out late and get cardio in. Um, so that's what I've been trying to do is equip myself with, Beyond that, more at home stuff, j- jump ropes, things I can do inside, punching bag, that type of stuff to, to make sure I'm, you know, able to get cardio and no matter what time of day is, because as long as you eliminate excuses, right, that you can make for yourself, that's when you put yourself in that mental corner. You're like, all right, I got to get up and get yep. to work now. Absolutely. No, good advice. Thank you for writing in, Walter. Adam Barnes is our next write in here. Don't worry, Cog. I was on my villain arc in the comments this week. What's up, boys? This one's for Maddie. You recently clapped back at me in the comments after I criticized your take on PlayStation's games and how you don't seem to have an issue with BGS making the same style of game over and over. I ended this comment with a clown emoji, which I now see was in poor taste. Here in Australia, that's a pretty light little jab. We call our best mates things way worse than that. Certainly, I can relate to that. But I failed to take into account that the rest of the world shockingly doesn't know I'm Australian and also that I failed to consider how that would read without the benefit of facial cues and all that. My bad, bro. I'll still be better in the future. I promise you. Little fucking firecracker, you. Daddy still loves you. See, that's the type of thing that like, I'm reading out loud as an American. It just sounds weird. But if you have the Australian accent behind little fucking firecracker, it reads a lot better, I swear. <laughs> Adam, I, I appreciate... This is what I'm talking about. The comment boys coming to the front of the congregation, right? This is what I appreciate because he he says here what happened, which was, hey, man, you, I, he didn't like how I, I was critiquing PlayStation games in the sense that, by the way, I, I was saying I wasn't going to try to convince anyone these games are bad, just that I'm a little fatigued by the design of it, but I don't need to retry the conversation. Mm-hmm. I think I remember last week's episode speaks for itself mm-hmm. and he tried to connect it to BGS games. And I was like, if I said to him, you know, if you're saying that me advocating for like more Astrobot, more Last Guardian, more Kenna Bridge of Spirits is a bad thing because I like BGS games and like you've you've missed the point here. Um, and I'll always put it on myself, like if I've not articulated something. So, Adam, I didn't take it to heart. But I also what I've done because I've seen people coming for COG a little more. And I realize oh, when that's happening, through. like now I know things are going south. You can come for me all day. I get it. <laughs> you know, it's been established. The following uh, verdicts have been established about me, such as I have wacky game taste. Therefore, I can get the smoke more often than anyone on on LSM probably. But when I see people going for COG, I feel a little more like, okay, I got to get involved in the comments Mm -hmm. and start. Let's start changing the tide in the atmosphere (laughs) of what's going on down there. Not because we can't handle the criticism. We'll take the criticism at the front of every show that y'all have watched. Whenever we've had the audience strongly disagree with us, it has been the first thing we talk about. That is one thing you can hold to us. But this really doesn't pertain to Adam, but there's been a lot of criticism coming our way that's been baseless. And like we want the cold, hard criticism. Like if there's something wrong with the show, I want to know something is wrong with the show. But when people are just saying, well, that was bad. What was bad? Why was it bad? Use your words. Like 
And when I'm seeing things like what Adam was writing, I'm like, you missed the point, dude. No offense to Adam. I'm not trying to go a harp on you, but you yeah, missed the point. Adam. And it's on me to articulate that properly and make sure that yeah. I'm conveying what I'm thinking well enough. Yeah. So I'll take the blame on that. It's not on you, Adam. But it's also like there are people who intentionally miss the point and leave bad faith comments. And it's like, right. I can't moderate everybody. I'm never going to try to. But there are certain weeks where it's like, all right, y'all, I got to come in here. Mr. Daddy place has to step in here Daddy and just start taking ownership of the show. And, and like, no, like I'm going to push back. You're wrong on that or something right. along those lines. And so, Adam, I appreciate it. You don't have to apologize. Clown emoji or not. It's cool. Don't worry about it. You're not in the wrong. It's okay. Don't worry about so it. So good. No, I'm joking. I, I think, listen, I'm loving my Villanoc, actually. You know, <laughs> I'm having a great time with it because to me, look. You're reading out the fake ones. Yeah, exactly. And then here's my thing. There's this misconception that I see with some, again, some of the combo. There's a lot. We get more love than we do. Right? Yeah, I, that's not, true. Right? That's so the other thing like I'm a, trying to recognize. Yeah, this is a brief thing. And I think what it is is. What I realize in life, and I've had this uh, good discussion with my brother Attic, because we're both passionate, right? So when we disagree, we disagree, mm. right? So it's like sometimes when you know you're younger, or even I'm, I'm guilty of it. Sometimes when you really feel strongly something, and someone's on the opposite side, you can get a little resentful for that person. Like, <laughs> man, I don't, I don't like him now. You know what I'm saying? And it's like I get it, but the real the realization is that the, what is the expression? We can agree to disagree. I And there's a couple of people that have put those comments. And I'm like, you know what? I respect that. Like, look, I'm not on, on this side of the argument. I'm completely on the opposite side of it. But I get what you I still got love for you, bro, that kind of thing. But I mm-hmm. noticed some people can't separate that. And then it becomes this, you know, vitriol thing. And then, like you said, other people expose themselves. Because what I realize is it's one thing to say, hey, we disagree. And it's another thing to say, God doesn't want to agree with anything outside of his bubble. He, he just wants to. And that part's not true. I, I'm always going to push back because if anybody, I'm the person that will always criticize Xbox when I see stuff I don't like and vice versa. But where I counter is I say to the people who they, they like PlayStation or what have you, but you never see them criticize their own. And it's only vitriol to one side. And I just challenge people to be objective with your own platform as well. And that's it. So, you know, look, it's all love. I'm riding it. Listen, man, I'm about to give me a cape and a, a suit with this villain. <laughs> art. Like, it's, it's great because certain, certain people I expose and I just sit there and I laugh. I'm like, OK, I see where you're at. You're not balanced. You're not objective. You can't see anything. So I'm good. <laughs> I appreciate you standing on your square. Certainly, I can relate during my Yakuza arc, which is still ongoing. Uh, yeah, it's just you got to own it eventually. Like these people will eat you up until there's nothing <laughs> left. And then they'll they'll spit on where you once were. It's just, you know, it, it'll be endless, dude. So, yeah, you're just better off standing on the square. Stand on the square, baby. Thank you for writing in again, though, Adam. I appreciate the ownership Salute. of any kind there. It's very rare with something we've Facts. called for in our victory laps. And so, Adam, mm-hmm. you are probably the first. So congratulations yeah. on that. Transparency on that. Salute. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Jamie Gotts is our next write-in. Hey there, Chad Kroger and Ice Cube. I get that one a lot, man. When I dye my, my hair blonde, I heard all of those, like, yo, it's Chad Kroger. Chad Kroger. 
<laughs> either that or Shaggy. I just can't be me, man. I just can't be me. <laughs> they always got those. I'm always a doppelganger. Yep. I wanted to ask, yes or no for mayo on a hot dog? Personally, I find it absolutely gross, but I love it on sandwiches. On a more serious question, with Jim Gollin hands on his controller, Ryan announcing his retirement, who would you see as a good replacement for Philly cheesesteak Spencer if and when he steps down, have a lovely Golden Girls retirement kind of day? I kind of picked this because of the hot dog question, to tell yes. you the truth. Like, yes, I, yes. like we kind of talked our heads off about Jim Ryan. We want to keep this an Xbox show. And we will answer this part of the question, but I really want to know your answer on hot dogs and mayo. Cause to me, I feel like hot dogs are a food you grow out of. I've grown mm-hmm. out of hot dogs. Like I really, like I used to love them as a kid, but like now I can pass on a good wiener. You know what I'm talking about? Pause. Yeah. Pause. <laughs> he did it again. <laughs> you do. You, you average about two. You're about two average, two pauses. A, 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 a Duke. <laughs> You know what's so funny? Great, I see my takes get clipped, but like no one clips that. You can no make, one clips the pauses. You can yeah. make hilarious clips out of me saying pause stuff, especially Locke. Like I tell Locke all the time, not to get me into the Locke Morez, but I'm like, dude, there's gold in Duke right now. Like, like stop pushing sacred for a week. Bring Dukes in. I'm talking about Facts. wieners out here. Come on, man. <laughs> come on. He's outside with it, man. You got, you got Locke, man. We got content, bro. Anyway, Cog. Mayo Yo. on your hot dog, yay or nay? Bro, that is such a flag on the field. Let me let me let me tell you. Like, I just recently shout out to my boy Joe. Um, he's, he told me like, "Yo, bro, we got to. Um, I'm gonna be at uh, in Brooklyn and Coney Island." And embarrassingly enough, as a New Yorker, Coney Island is someplace I never really hung out, and I, I'm embarrassed because one of my favorite movies is uh, is called The Warriors, and it's a classic scene. Warriors mm. come out and play, and it's violent, you know, Coney. Island. So I go out there. One of the famous things is the Nathan's classic store where they do the hot dog eating contest. And I get there and I'm like, all right, I haven't had a hot dog in years. I'm at Coney Island. I need to try it. Never did I want to see dudes be like, yo, where that mayo at? (laughs) (laughs) Never. It's it's, it's ketchup, (laughs) mustard, sauerkraut, relish. That's the vibe. You you can mess around with any combination or any single one. Or, hey, if you, you know, plain Jane, you just want, you know, you want your wiener plain, that's on you. You (laughs) But at the end of the day, some people just like the wiener straight up. (laughs) (laughs) But if if you don't, do not, I repeat, put no mayo on. I've never heard that. White salt See, it's, it's going left already. We're getting pause worthy already. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, that's true. I wonder if we got, I wonder if Jamie's baiting us a bit here. Yeah, he got to be setting yeah. us up. But have you, have you done this atrocity? To, no, no. You see, the thing is, the reason I would consider this mildly. Okay. It's my stance on hot dogs in, mm-hmm. in general. I never really think I liked hot dogs, but it's the combination of shit you pile on top of it yeah. that makes it so good. Because I'm like a guy who I'm usually not a huge condiment dude. Like I'll use condiments, but like I'm getting a row of ketchup, Let's a row go. of mustard, sauerkraut, yes. relish, as you said. Anything that I can slam on top of this bun Facts. is getting put on there. Facts. And so it's almost like a hot dog is just a meat base more than anything else. It's not I'm not there for the flavor you know, like cheese-filled hot dogs, for example, P- pass, man. No, we don't need to stuff the dogs. Like no stuff to do. Yeah. So to me, that's why I think I've grown out of it. Because the last time I had a hot dog, I've never had this happen in my entire 
existence. All right, what happened? Kind of a nasty story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Yankee Stadium. This makes sense, right? Oh, yeah. They're using the enemy Stadium. territory right there. Right? So that's just- I'm in enemy territory, and they're trying to take me out, so I get a hot dog. And I remember taking a bite of this hot dog, chew, swallow, and bro, my body was like, no. Really? No. And I'm talking like instantly, like swallow, up, like it just out, out. And I couldn't control it. It was just my body rejected it. Like I didn't feel sick. I didn't go like, oh, gross. I was chewing away. I was like, you know, it's a hot dog. Mm. Up it came immediately. And since then, mm. I was just anytime I've tried to eat hot dogs after that, I'm like, nah. And it's not, like, I don't know what it I've never had that happen before where my body just shot food mm. right back up. I know what people think I'm talking about. I was like throwing up, but I didn't like vomit. Just the food came th- back up. I think the only time that's happened to me is sometimes mentally, either when you eat something and it has a bad texture or a bad smell combination, and it just freaks me out. And I've had that like happen like once. But wow, that's crazy. What I was powerful, dude. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I'm glad it didn't get stuck, right? Stuck, yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> Imagine that. Like, mm-hmm. So uh, I'm lucky to be here. Wiener almost got me. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Jay. That's a good one. I think we all know the obvious answer for a good replacement oh, to fill, right? Yeah, that's right, that's right. Who Sarah. you got? Who you got? It's got to be Sarah. You got Sarah? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sarah's definitely in line. Um, I can see her. Throw out some wild cards. Let me... Um, yeah, I'm picking the so, easy answer. Who's, who, who else do you have? Because I couldn't think of anyone else who Sarah has that so, team like faith and belief and yeah. value system like that, that can you pass the torch to. I feel like she's the great fit. So who, I completely agree. I think that's the, the logical choice. And then obviously we see her in tandem when they go to TGS. You know, I've actually heard her name in, in, in conjunction to ABK as well, you know, mm-hmm. in the post-Bobby world. So I don't you know, know. She's got the fingerprints all over oh. Sega. It's, yeah. Oh, it's yeah, that's too. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, she's she's the same girl. That's what's up. Um, I would throw this one at you. I don't want to know how you feel it because mm-hmm. it hits more ho- close to home for you. How do you feel about if Pete Hines ascended? Interesting. Transferring companies and ascending. I don't think he would thrive in that role per se. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not because he's not talented. Pete Hines is really good at his job. Even if like I know he's been like short-tempered with fans in the past, like he's really good. He's one of the nicest guys I've met in the industry. The only reason I would hesitate on that is because I feel like you have to be a face when you're a part of, like, you're that high up. You're the head of Xbox. You have to be a face. Mm-hmm. And what I noticed in a post-76 world is Pete Hines, who used to be a Bethesda face, has very much retreated. He is not active on social media anymore. You'll catch him in interviews, but I think it really took a toll on him. I'm just assuming. I think mm-hmm. it really took a toll on him. And so I, I just don't think... He would want to be that public face, Got it. quite frankly. Fair enough, fair enough. It was just so, something I always thought about. I was like, I wonder how he would, if he was something he would want if it was presented, that kind of thing. But no, it's a good one. I mean, it's just, I got it. Sarah just seems so obvious. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, so I'm try, I was just trying. It's like, I don't have many candidates outside, to be honest. And I know a lot Mike of people. Mike That one just came to mind. Mm, that vision merger happens. Mike is, Mike is a candidate. Mike is a candidate. Very ambitious. Um, I have to see how it plays out with him post ABK merger because I still have a little trepidation if he's in or he's out. Mm-hmm. Some people take the bag, but no, that's actually a good choice though. Mike is Mike is a good choice, especially because uh, he was already at Xbox yeah, at one point. So yeah. he he was already like a VP on some level. He's hit the stage. That's actually a great choice though. If he stayed, yeah, that would actually be a, a good choice. I'm very very curious where where his um 
his thought process like? Because he he's again he's very aggressive. I'll just say that Mike's <laughs> very aggressive. So tell Mike, you know, care about how you feel. We going we going to do what we going to do. He's, but he's a gamer. He's a hardcore gamer. Yeah. He's a big time PC guy. Big time Destiny got rated with Mike Abar in Destiny. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, we played uh, the Last Wish Destiny two. I mean, this dude's official. Like, don't make no like, certified gamer. Sir, like hard. The man was so hardcore. We did a raid. He had an LFG group with a website and time slots on when the next session for the next six people. Wow. And this is going, bro. It was the most well-oiled machine thing. I'm like, bro, you game for real. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought I was playing Destiny. I was like, man. Yeah, so shout out to Abara and the crew and them. But yeah, I think that's a great choice. That's a, that's a good one. We got one last ride in here, Cog, and we'll get into the news. What news there is, I should say. Yeah. Adam Nix is our next writer. And howdy, Dukes. I wanted to write in to provide another perspective on Starfield compared to what I've mostly heard up to now. Naturally, here on Defining Duke, we like to represent all those perspectives. So let's read. I know I'll be in the minority here, but I actually really like the fast travel system in the game. In fact, I doubt I would have played it if there was as much aimless wandering as their previous games. Don't get me wrong here. I love those previous BGS games with Morrowind, my first, and Fallout 3, the best standing out the most. I had ample time to really savor and enjoy the games back then and loved roaming from place to place. Fast forward to the present. I'm now 38 years old, married to an amazing woman, have two young kids and work in the aerospace industry, supporting space exploration. How fucking cool is that? That's That's why you got to hang around Starfield. You got to get ideas for your job, man. (laughs) (laughs) NASA punk. So that ample time isn't around anymore because of fast travel. I'm almost done with the main quest and now debating going straight to the brilliantly implemented new game plus or finishing up the 30 plus open quest in my log first. I would have likely missed out on a classic without the the fast travel system and resulting game design choices. Hopefully you and the others can relate and have a, you know, you found your soulmate when she says, I'll take the kids to the park just to give you an extra hour of game time. Kind of day. Hell yeah. Love. You got love. You got so special. So many. Yeah. I mean, I get, I, I get it. And then Adam, I I have to gently push back in some avenues. Cause like, it's not as if, it's uh, Morrowind. Yes, you're totally right. Because Morrowind, you'd have to go talk to like certain people to travel to certain places or teleport, like teleport to the Mages Guild or I forgot the name of the creature that you'd ride and it would fast travel you around. Like there was a more, I'd call it immersive fast traveling rather yeah. than menu based in Starfield. But Fallout 3, you know, Oblivion, like these games do have fast travel. And I guess the aimless wandering is distracting. And what I think Adam is saying here is how I'm understanding it is like, you can beeline quests in Starfield. Like the main story is like the same length as any faction quest line. Yeah, it's about 10 hours. You know, it, it's definitely on the longer side, but maybe that's what he's getting at here. Um, but the only place I would push back is saying that there's fast travel in these other games and you can beeline or in, indulge as much as you want. But I guess what happens with this fast travel system is it removes all the distractions, like the distractions I love and I would make time for people who are on a schedule punching a clock more than I um, or who don't do this for a living, like myself, can just not get distracted and just go, go, go. Because uh, that's truly what happens, especially when you do the Ryujin Industries quest line. It's fantastic, but it is literally talk, open menu, fast travel, talk, open menu, fast travel. It's that's true. just that. There's little moments of breaking up that flow, which is where my criticism kind of came to a head. Mm-hmm. But I can see the value for some in just being able to menu hop and just really because the game for as big as it is it feels like you can take big chunks out of it which is something like i couldn't say for Baldur's gate 3 like that's a game that i've I've told the story here on duke like my friends and i played like five hours two nights in a row and like we didn't level up like just felt like we were still 
getting going, still getting yeah. going. It felt amazing. I, I love the game, but it, it, there is a feeling of progression people seek out. So I can see where that helps Adam out. But what do you think about yeah, uh, I think, these comments here? Yeah, because this seems to be a <laughs> controversial thing. Because I know how strong your stance. Not, it's not controversial. I think a lot of people agree with your stance. I think you're in the majority. And I, I think I'm in the minority with this. I think I do understand the point about, you know, exploration and that being lacking because of the fast travel system. Mm. But then for me, there's a part of me that like, for example, you use Ryujin again, like when you do the quest, there's one where you really have to infiltrate a building. You have to do all this stuff. It's almost like splinter cell mode kind of a deal. And I remember doing all this, getting to the thing. And then back of my head, I'm like, man, now I got to sneak my way out. I got to go. And I'm like, wait a minute. I can just, <laughs> the mission is done. And the, the next waypoint is get back to the base or get back to mm-hmm. the, so there was a convenience that I loved about completing something and then not having to physically walk through the, you know, the planet, the building, the structure. And I actually love that part because to me that wasted time that I didn't want to have to interact with. Now I get the pushback because Bethesda games kind of thrive on that, but that the essence of Bethesda game is, hey, you wonder any random emergent thing can happen. So I think for me, and I guess we'll talk about this at some point when we do our little spoilcast, is I think for me, where I stopped treating Starfield like other Bethesda games, that mm-hmm. that's when I was able to enjoy it more. I, when I started to, yo, but it would fall out, did this and Skyrim, it did this. I was just like, nah, this is them in space. They going from here to here. And some people are going to love it because of the convenience. And some people are going to hate it because they're going to use your example. Where it's like, hey, I feel like I'm in this little mini fishbowl. I'm going from fishbowl to fishbowl to fishbowl. Yeah. And I get both perspectives. I think it is fair to criticize that. And um, I, I, just think, I just think it's what you enjoy. And if you're looking for that traditional, but that's the experience, it could be jarring. And I understand that for people. For me, I'm like, good, I'm done. I don't have to walk past. Oh, my God. Like, I, I was dreading it, bro. I did all this stealth, all this stuff. And I was splitting. I was on my Sam Fisher. Mm. And I'm like, damn, I got to get. And I was like, oh, yeah, boom. <laughs> yeah, interesting, because you know what? It, I didn't mention this in either of my reviews, but it mm-hmm. circumvents what Skyrim did so well, which is my biggest fascination, even when I played for the first time in high school with Skyrim, was you would go through a dungeon and there would always be at the end a hidden door that led you back to the beginning and i'm like yo they like wow how well thought out is that Mm -hmm. like games to this day still don't do that which Mm -hmm. is crazy to think about and like fallout 3 that's something that what you mentioned is one of my problems with the game is like you go through the springvale elementary school you see everything and there's no way back out you gotta back you go through a bunch of floors so I get what you're saying. I respect mm-hmm. what you're saying. Just I think Skyrim, like they figured it out. Like yeah, it's a, loop, it's a looping dungeon design yep. that they just did for every single one. Just, it's a full circle every time. And that was missing in Starfield. Yes. So good what you call does that? What you call does that uh, too? It's funny. Destiny does that in some of their dungeons or lost sectors where you go into it. It's very intricate. You go into the bottom, whatever, whatever. And then once you complete it, Wherever the treasure or whatever thing was, the boss, whatever, mm-hmm. a lot of times you'll loop back and then you'll be like higher up and at the entrance again. Mm. And it's a cool design thing that you mentioned that Scott. I, I I do love that though. It's an attention to details. So I get your point. But with that, Cog, enough with the write-ins. We got some news. Let's get into it. 
Activision has Call of Duty games planned out until 2027 with over 3,000 people working across all things Call of Duty. They also state that the plan for the yearly model has not changed. So, you know, water is wet, sky is blue, and so on and so forth. Anything surprise you here, Cog? Anything stand out? Um, A little, only because, look, me and you know this is what's supposed to happen. I mean, this game... Is just a cash cow. It is the biggest thing in gaming. But I remember during the acquisition talks, you know, it could maybe it could miss a year. Maybe they could take a year off, whatever, whatever. And I think it sounds nice <laughs> from a gamer's perspective and a fatigue perspective. But the reality is this thing is just too much of a moneymaker. And once it's going to be acquired and owned by Microsoft, bro, you can't walk away from that. Yeah. I, I've always felt that. So this is not a surprise. You know, they, they got the teams. I'm assuming, what is it, the three teams working simultaneously with the Sledgehammer, Infinity Ward, and I forget the Treyarch. other one. Yeah, Treyarch, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. And um, look, they're going to do what they do. You know, this this is too big. It's too much money on the table. I, I've always felt that. The other mm-hmm. stuff, what I'm hoping is that other stuff can come back that were dormant. That's what I'm hoping for at this point. Yeah. One of the ways Xbox will inherently look good, even though it's been in development long before they were getting acquired, is the Infinity Ward okay. RPG. And that ends up really being a thing. It ends up being Xbox exclusive. They're going to look really good. Like, oh, they let them do something different, even though it's something they've been working on for a while. Uh, Yeah, they're not going to change this annual cycle, as I'm sure people already expected, uh, just because this is one of the main reasons they're buying them, right? We always talk about how the the primary driver is that mobile initiative, but this is on a console level, the main thing they want. And that's going to probably remain relatively untouched. The hope is, like we said, that they'll, they'll bring some IP back or release some studios from the work cycle like let beanox loose and maybe try to do something a little yes. different let raven loose and try to do something a little different because i think there's a lot of potential on that too yeah singularity would be nice yeah, you know mm-hmm. all that good Wolf, stuff Wolf, Cybertron, and high moon studios please Thank yeah you. something like that yes yes too many good options so that's what's going on with call of duty x screen cog the little man supporter is now officially part of the design for xbox initiative meaning it's officially licensed by microsoft and that they're working directly with microsoft to produce this product now and it's a uh, it's at a discount of about two hundred dollars so i thought you would have some thoughts on this sir because you've been yes. a, a supporter of it since the very beginning yeah man i remember seeing that kickstarter for the very first time and i'm like they got it that's gonna work i could see it and it just it, it it spoke to me on so many levels i'm that guy i'm the guy on the plane with this thing and um yeah proud of them i've had a decent relationship with them and they've, they've asked for feedback and stuff like that during nice. their early stages and um I knew it was on when I saw like this is when they before they were licensed when like Phil is on a plane showcasing it mm. and I'm like bro you've got brass now really taken to the product because it's so well designed it feels like a natural Microsoft product. Do you, you know? use it still even with the the Asus ROG Ally and the Steam Deck or has it kind of been put to the side? That's the that's why I never okay I'm guessing by your reaction. Um. <laughs> Yeah, shout out to X Screen. <laughs> but look, I got to be real. You, you got me. Um, it was my number one thing. Hmm. The ally was just something I didn't expect. And to have yeah, that level good. of portability, yeah. that but more power than the Series S, so to speak. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So now it's like, why am I going to love it? And I'm going to tell you, I'm tell you the, the big X Screen thing for me. As a person, like say, for example, 
going up state, going to Connecticut, going to the crib. My, uh, my friends, they were like, yo, hang out for the weekend or go to Jersey Shore, hang out for the weekend. So if I'm hanging out for an exp- extended time, that's when the Series X is great. I'm like, all right, boom, I'm going to be in a hotel. I'm going to be staying at somebody's place and I can, I can commandeer a TV, right? Mm. Series S, little man with the X screen, number one choice. But the reality of COG is I'll go somewhere for a short stay. I'm always flying, mm-hmm. right? And here's the detriment. The X screen for as great as it is, Air, yo, United Airlines, bro, I got, y'all got to come to the front of the conversation. All you guys saying you got 100 watt um, plugs and anything 100, lies, 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 lies. I plug the X screen and it, the, the light turns off and you sitting there mad that you can't <laughs> play on a six hour to eight hour flight. Oh. It was over. Then I got my rock like, boop, here no we go. It was over. Yeah, Yeah, there's nothing more depressing when you plan six to eight hours of game time. You're like, yeah, I'm going to be lit. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get that done. Nope. Man, you sitting there with a dead screen. You can't play. You won't (laughs) even power the device. And I'm like, uh, shout out to Amtrak though. Amtrak, mm. yeah, yeah, X screen. Yeah, I always remember that picture. You go in the to packs and you had yeah. the pecking hooked up. Woo, yeah. So that's it. But yeah, I got it. I have to admit, yeah, Rog Ally is, you know, that's it. we in a, we in a committed relationship. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I don't blame you on that. Anyway, congrats to the uh, developers behind X Screen on a great success there. Oh yeah, great, great, great device. Noteworthy hire here, Baldur's Gate 3 producer Ryan Clark has joined Playground Games as a senior producer. So just again, as we saw with Playground, they've hired talent from CD Projekt Red, now borrowing from the best RPG of the year. Really good to see that they're focusing on this type of talent and uh, understanding where the strengths in the industry lie. Hopefully, uh, Fable can deliver anything you have to comment on this yes i i'm gonna be honest with you man like lately fable has been creeping up and remember i'm the non-fable guy you guys are the hardcore fable guy but like fable has literally been creeping up to like dare i say my one of my most anticipated xbox exclusives getting close to hellblade territory so i'm gonna be real with you mm. we all came for ninja theory because look we know hellblade is going to be great hellblade 2 is going to be great but we came for them with the way they present it. But I'm going to be real. Fable to me, now that I look back at that showcase and the way she was looking and they was like, no, that's gameplay. We we are impressed that you think we lying. <laughs> right. And I'm like, oh, like Fable look like it might be. The real surpa- thing, it's getting there. I'm just being honest. Like, so when I hear news like this, you got the boldest gate guys like over there. And then I don't know if you just realize, um, they just playground games, just got voted in the UK one of the best places to work in gaming, mm. right? And right. Rare is on the list as well. Oh, nice. So again, for people who's like, "Oh, Miss Banner, this is official as of this week." Okay, <laughs> I didn't catch yes. that. Yes, nice. yeah. So UK, I'll send you the joint. Um, they definitely. What it goes to show me is the studio culture. And I remember, and the reason why I also felt interested because a lot of people remember when homie from Horizon 5, I believe his name is Matt Brown, left. Everybody's like, oh, shambles, what's going on? We have from the UK, the winners in 2023, the best places to work, playground games, rare. So we got to diffuse yeah. some of these narratives that everything that happens to Xbox Studios and they can't, man, let's, let's look at some, some real hard facts and information now. 
But yeah, I'm I'm super excited for this. I think this is really cool, and I ain't gonna lie, that is insane. Yeah, in this uh, in this article from it, by the way, for those who are wondering, it's from GamesIndustry.biz. There's a special award, and it's called the Corporate Social Responsibility Award. I just, it just reads hilariously to me hilarious <laughs> the health and well-being award the environmental award the education award diversity <laughs> award these are wild awards man these and then they have awards. best large mid-sized and small companies mm-hmm. so yeah it's pretty diverse portfolio of rewards of awards here but good yeah. catch on that yeah no doubt no doubt so yeah i'm excited for fame fame i got my eye on you 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 rising up my ranks man is my number one elder scrolls castles has been announced by bethesda game studios it is a mobile game that if I were to give you an elevator pitch on is Fallout Shelter meets Elder Scrolls you can run your own kingdom, make choices, build out that kingdom over time with little rooms and assign people to those rooms to produce things. You can send them beyond the castle walls, just like you could send your dwellers out of the vault and so on and so forth. It is literally one to one Fallout Shelter. Currently, Cog, you'll be happy about this. It's only available on Android devices. So oh. Apple Bros, we're standing down right now. We're enjoying <laughs> Elder Scrolls Blades and Fallout Shelter, but COD can enjoy the the fruits of the Bethesda Game Studios labors in Elder Scrolls castles. Mm. And I, I just, you know, I feel bad for Elder Scrolls fans. I really do. <laughs> I really do. This game does not look bad, and I am a lover of Fallout Shelter. Many people know I'm not crazy about mobile games. I respect their place in the market. I respect there is a huge audience for it, even if we think like, yeah, you know, they're all filler trash. But Fallout Shelter was fantastic. And so to get an Elder Scrolls companion of that is actually a good thing. But if you are the Elder Scrolls fan who doesn't like your Fallouts as much, who's not crazy about Starfield even, and you see this after ESO, after Legends, after everything you've been through, they give you another mobile game like this series is so popular and they can't even give you a spin-off and like there was that rumor i think it was from nick of xbox era who said project wormwood it was like a mm-hmm. an elder scrolls rts game it might have been that but i've always said that that would be a fantastic fit for the franchise just with how many nations and races and wars that are in elder scrolls lore it writes itself there are so many things you could do with this series but nothing of note has happened except mobile games that are taking templates from other games like oh let's do hearthstone but elder scrolls let's do fallout shelter but elder scrolls and they just keep dropping these out elder scrolls online is quality as hell but i do feel bad for the es fan who's looking for a true single player fix because it looks like for fallout fans we're gonna be getting our fix soon between the show and the remaster my complaining days are about to end, but Elder Scrolls fans, I'm going to have to champion you for a little bit and say you are the strongest fans in this industry for how long you've had to go. You think after Skyrim, sky's the limit. What are they going to do next? They're definitely running back. Dude, we're about to be waiting almost two decades for the next one. Nothing can live up to that. I'm quite yeah. honest. Like I am excited for Elder Scrolls 6, but what can you do to live up to that much waiting? Yeah. Mm. Any no, thoughts well, on Elder Scrolls Castles beyond my uh, existentialism for Elder Scrolls fans? <laughs> no, no, it's it's a great you know um, pitch because 
it is true. Now you really, really look at it, like how long that wait has been. It, it it's insane. And then think about it, like Starfield kind of jumped the line, right? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> we gotta get this one off our chest. Yeah, we gotta get this out. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I feel for them. I mean, surprisingly, this action game looks cool. Like I go for I, I, as a person who's not mm-hmm. into mobile as much and all has to stay away from them because they're too damn addicting. Yeah, that, that damn son of yours, man. Yeah, that, you, know, uh, you know how I do with my children. <laughs> <laughs> bad kids, bad kids. But uh, yeah, like it looks good, like little cute Khajiit. You know, so it's very lordly. So you know, Cog would definitely get into yeah, this the art style. I'm not crazy about, but yeah, art style's a little, little, little. Yeah, cute like I feel creepy playing that in a public place. Definitely, so. definitely some some Uncle Creepy vibe. Shout out to Uncle Creepy. He gets mad whenever we say it because <laughs> that's his name. He thinks that we're personally attacking I've seen him. The tweets, yeah. yeah, yeah. Shout out to Uncle Creepy. But yeah, it's definitely Uncle Creepy vibe. But um, look, you know, as far as the mobile thing, this is. You know, they, they've done well with Fallout Shelter. It's following in that playbook. It's not for me, but I could see an audience for this. I do. I can see an audience. And Absolutely. then, um, yeah, I just feel for when we get the next main line. It looks like the only solace we have is the rumors of the Oblivion, you know, remake to kind of hold you down kind of thing. So we yeah. shall see. But I, I feel for it because my concern is with how late and now the success of Starfield does Elder Scrolls realistically come out this generation? I'm at this point now where it's like, there's a part of me, now that we know when consoles are coming, there's mm-hmm. a part of me that says, hey, maybe you set off a splash with the next-gen console launch, close to launch in Elder yeah. Six, you know, Elder Scrolls kind of game. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I hope I'm wrong. I, I think yeah. ES6 is like the obvious. You could just launch with that. Yeah. You don't need anything else. I agree. Um, I, I would agree. want more, by the way, before anyone jumps on. I would want more games, but you could launch with ES6 and that would sell your your system ad nauseum. Ad nauseum. Could you imagine like Elder Scrolls exclusive, new Xbox console? Like if Xbox really wanted to, they could line up New Vegas 2 and Elder Scrolls 6 for the start of their generation. They could mm-hmm. have the best start if they really wanted to. And I, I would hope if they're smart and they care about getting people onto their platform or whatever the hell it's going to be. Uh, those would be two projects I would green light. Well, we already know one's green light, but mm-hmm. the other one would be a project I would try to get going ASAP oh, so yeah. that it's, it's starting to get ready by at least launch a year of my console. Yeah. You literally have two of the biggest franchises. You would have Elder Scrolls and Call of Duty on, you know, driving console Thank subscriptions. God, yeah. yeah, bro, that's insane. It could be dominant. It really could. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if they'll, they'll take advantage they of what they it. have. Yeah. Xbox is apparently developing two unannounced licensed games, according to a newly discovered LinkedIn profile from a senior business development manager at Microsoft. Now, this is important to note because we know Indiana Jones, that is announced. We do know of a licensed IP game in Bethesda's portfolio, which means somewhere skulking about the entirety of Xbox Game Studios, whether it be third party or within the first party family or something entirely different is another licensed game cog and i don't want to oversell it because we don't know if it's going to be triple a double a mobile what have you but but this is a good sign that they're starting to turn the corner on something that we've said they've long been stubborn on a lot of people fought back against it when i look at playstation what they're doing with marvel it is Y'all are not ready for how many copies Spider-Man 2 is about to sell. You're not ready to see those numbers. And Xbox would be foolish to ignore that and go, no, 
We don't want to do what they do. Stop being stubborn, Xbox. Thank go, you. Go get yourself a Marvel deal. Go get yourself a, if I'm them, get a DC deal if you can, right? Yeah. If you want to play opposites, there you go. Just feed right into that that comic book war there, and you'll be just fine. Facts. Good point. Anything else you want to add on that? No, you you right. You know you preach it to the class. It's all <laughs> stuff I've been saying. You know, look, they got you, you can you have to look at what your competition does well sometimes. And again, it's not basing your entire lineup because we all agree Xbox has the correct strategy with diversity in lineup. And I think that's what plays to what you said earlier, which is sometimes you have a little bit of hashtag just one fatigue, right? But the beauty of Xbox's lineup is that there's all these different style of games and genres of games so that you can have either a just one or a licensed IP game. And you got to put your finger on the pulse of pop culture. That's to me, Xbox's greatest Achilles heel this generation. I feel like the last two, they're not, they're missing the boat. Like I felt like Black Panther was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Like nobody snatched up. And what's funny is they did a console Black Panther. I saw it. It was like some special mm. thing. Like, bro, there's, there's so many. And it, you said it perfectly. If you don't want to take that, all right, fine. Go DC. Man. Go DC. Get grab up something. You know what I mean? Like there's so much opportunity. I just, I, I, you, you find me hard pressed to believe that no one would want that opportunity. Like, as in DC, like you can't call DC and figure something out for an exclusive property. I, I don't know. It's hard now, to imagine. Now, now, in defense to them, we do know they were going after WB at one point, but the oh, IPs weren't that's available. True. That's true. So that showed me that they did look at that and they value that the IPs are necessary. So, okay, I get that. You're forgiven. At least you tried. And they said no IPs. You said no, thank you, WB. Yeah. But you do have to get your, whatever's pop culture, you need to get your, because that's where PlayStation run laps around, y'all. I'm sorry. Because yeah. the last point I'll say is that the reason why I say it is you got to look to the younger generation of what they consider cool, right? Like right now, Xbox don't have that cool factor. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like think about it. Like console. <laughs> yeah, like it's, 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 it's a hardcore gaming console, but like when you, Anything pop culture, look at what happened with, with even though Hogwarts Legacy is on Xbox, but you think because of the marketing and it's yeah. a PlayStation thing. It's right? game of the year, man. Exactly. So I just, they just got to do it. I'm always going to, you know, pressure them. They're doing their thing. Mm-hmm. I just got to pressure them a little bit on this part because that's a little deficiency. But I, I think they will. I love the fact that this is now happening. Yeah. So we'll see what it is. Yeah. And they see value in Star Wars to get like third party marketing for Star Wars Outlaws. But yeah. They skipped the boat on a Star Wars game that now I'm I'm very upset. Yeah, I'm very, very upset. We will talk, talk about to, it. Yeah, but talk to you about that. I, I did report they skipped the boat on a certain Star Wars game. Kotor uh, mm-hmm. remake. I, I just mm-hmm. so people don't think it's a separate yep. one. Yep, yep. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk so, about it. We'll yeah, talk about there's uh there's something going on here. Like I, they see value and they don't. They're like, well, we'll see enough value in Star Wars. So like we'll, we'll pay for marketing of Ubisoft's next game, but like oh, Kotor remake, our our bread and butter. Nah, nah, yeah, we're good. Like, what? Stuff. What's going on? What's in the water at Microsoft? Right now? <laughs> Jason Schreier has provided clarity to some fake leaks regarding Bethesda's upcoming game schedule, and it gleams light new details. Inexile is not handling the remaster of Fallout 3 or Oblivion, as expected. ZeniMax's new game is indeed Project Kestrel and has nothing to do with the Mandalorian, like it was once rumored. And... Obviously, the Elder Scrolls 6 is not targeting a 2025-2026 release. More, most notably here is Project Kestrel is ZeniMax's game, which we analyzed, I think, last week or the week before. 
And to know that it's not the Mandalorian game like rumored uh, was a pretty important one to shut down again because they're saying it's a new IP. So mm. uh, I think it would be something individual to their own world. And especially mm-hmm. after working with Elder Scrolls, like someone else's thing, I think they're going to want to just make their own thing from the yeah. bottom up. I don't know if they are, but that would just be my read as a creative. Like that's probably what anyone would want to do is like, what if we had our own thing now? <laughs> Instead of working with other stuff yeah, all the time. No, makes sense. Makes sense. Jez Corden has clarified that the support, the supposed art station leak mentioning State of Decay 6 targeting a 2027 release is false. So wipe the sweat off my brow. I had that in my fantasy lineup for this year. It's Bill Chance. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, come on, I did last though. I, I'm a little now if anyone people, I am concerned. I am I'm a yeah. little concerned with them. Like what was happening? All I'm seeing is stated the K2 updates that denotes to me that she's staying you try to be around a little bit longer. When are we getting my beloved? So yeah, I would love yeah. just an update from the team. Like, what's going on, team? Like Undead Labs, it's fair to say, hey, Microsoft, what's what's up there? Like yeah. I see a little little question. I agree. Cities Skylines 2 has been delayed for Xbox and PlayStation to spring 2024. However, the PC version is still releasing on October 21st, 24th. And uh, that will be a day one game pass game. So you can look out for that one. But again, for console players, it will be delayed to spring of next year. Cool. Sega has canceled Creative Assembly's Hyenas, among other unannounced games after a review of its games business, realizing that things aren't going so hot in Europe. So, Cog, I wanted your thoughts on this one here where uh, Creative Assembly, which has carried Sega for a long while, was kind of forced into this. It kind of reminds me a lot of what happened with Platinum, kind of forced into this more live service game that doesn't fit their mold. And now people are going to get laid off because of this. Um, there was a, a company memo that was posted mentioning like, yeah, jobs are going to be unavailable now. And people are kind of lashing Creative Assembly for this when I think Sega, as much as we praise them here, are definitely to blame because this one, I can't imagine this was starting off as Creative Assembly's idea. But what are your thoughts on on this being canceled? And this is one, by the way, for those who don't know Hyenas, because when I heard of it, I was like, oh, is that a code name? This is, uh, there's trailers out. Like, you can actually see mm-hmm. the game if you're curious. I'm watching but it right now while we're talking, too. Any thoughts oh, on this, man. This hurts, because, um, you know, obviously, I'm a Sega kid, and Creative Assembly has held them down. They have held them down. And it goes to show you, you know, um, when we were talking about the crossover episode, and we were talking about even Sony's shift to live service. Live service is very difficult. It's very difficult. I mean, think about even on our side with Halo Infinite now, people are saying it's in a great place now. <laughs> you know, so look how long that took, right? So it's just like, bro, you could have everything in place, but, and then, it, you know, we got to be honest too, there's, there's some market saturation, right? So if you don't hit it right out the box, people sometimes they ain't got time to wait for you to get it together and come back. <laughs> so yeah, it, I think Halo is also a good example of that. I'm not sure if you were leaning that way, but like, yeah. Some people have like, no, I'm good. You burnt me. I'm good. I don't care what you're doing. Right. So too many games to play. It's too. There you go. The saturation and the games, saturation of live service as well as the game. So, yeah, I feel for them because I I love creative said they've done some great things and the layout. That sucks. Yeah. Especially especially if it comes out. They really want to do this. And this came from higher ups. Yes. Yes. Let's talk about KOTOR remake. I got to air some grievances. Right, let's go. Let's get the therapy. Come on. I'm ready for it. Looks this. to be in trouble as PlayStation has delisted the trailer for the project. When inquired, they cited licensing issues as the reason behind this move. Now, for those who are not caught up on Kotor Remake, uh, this project was moved from Aspire to Saber Interactive. 
um, where the project has gone quiet. The publisher is Embracer Group, which is undergoing massive changes into itself. You know, they we just talked about layoffs last week at Crystal Dynamics, where they said they would be fine. They're not. Uh, they shut down Volition. They are radically changing their business model. And I imagine if I forgot, was it who was the who was the developer behind Dead Island Two? Because I think if that game wasn't a rousing success like it has been, that company would have been anyone they could have chopped off would have been affected. And I think that would have been them as well. Was it Deep, deep Silver? And so now, with the Kotor remake going dark after reported issues with Aspire and PlayStation, the trailer's been delisted. PlayStation is saying it's licensing issues. I saw some reports mentioning that there's a difference in licensing between the game's music and trailer music. Like they're, they're handled separately, so to say. And that if a game doesn't hit its particular window of release, that the trailer may be taken down. And that would actually kind of line up with what I knew were, by the way, internal targets, which what I've learned mm-hmm. with Starfield can shift look at that learning (laughs) Uh, there's something new every day kotor remake was definitely targeting around this year or last year not saying they were going to hit it but that was the target and as others have leaked their plans were more ambitious beyond just one kotor remake and so to see what it's become it's really heartbreaking. Like I'm going to try to stay away from my theatrics and kind of like, you know, getting into my character and having some fun with <laughs> it. It literally sucks. Like yeah. this is to me the best ever made Star Wars game, not just because it's my favorite game of all time, but there is no other Star Wars game out there. Maybe the Jedi series is getting there with like this level of thought and nuance put into the characters, into the writing, into the world they're building that wholly respect Star Wars while crafting their own sliver in this vast universe. You know, I was just talking to my friends about like Ahsoka and Andor and all the live action Star Wars versus the animated Star Wars and where it's at now where there's a loss of trust, but I feel like there's a world of infinite potential in games. And the KOTOR remake could have literally been this launch pad for putting putting it on the map in the mainstream. Like as much as I love this game, it is a 2003 RPG and it needs a remake but more than anything it needs eyes on it people aren't going to go back and see the magic i see unless you're a hardcore gamer you're not going to see like you'll see the characters you'll see the music or hear the music you'll see the the art style you'll get a feel for like why this would be a special game if you're in the games but this isn't going to get the person who's going to the theater who's watching disney plus to understand why the old republic and it's like very politically almost medieval style star wars is so wholeheartedly intriguing. It's some of the best you can find in its, if not the best, in my opinion, that you can find. And this was that chance I felt to finally get it in its proper place where people could see it and go like, now I get it. Like I mm-hmm. understand. I feel you. Cause I don't trust the movies that, that were reported. Apparently there was a, a trilogy plan for these KOTOR for a KOTOR movie series. I don't know what the hell it's going to be. Apparently the script was done. I made a whole video on it cause I was freaking out oh, wow. like four years ago. Wow. So I guess that shit's canned or they've turned it into a show that they're going to stream. But, you know, I I don't tr- I like what Disney's doing with Star Wars in a lot of ways. I think Jaffe, when we talked about it on Constellation, made a really good argument that Disney has made Star Wars more relevant because when you look at what was happening before, the IP was pretty much dead, like nothing was really happening with it. So there's more Star Wars than ever. 
which is a good thing. And people, there's more brand awareness. People care about it. People still love it. And so to see that what I think is the best era, which has been underrepresented outside of comics, is going down in flames like this. Of course, I'd rather see it just get canceled than have it come out and just be fucking terrible. Definitely. But I'd also say it'd be a travesty to give up on it. Like, this is a... Uh, what would I use the term for? It's like a hallmark RPG. Like, to me, it is oh, yeah. a... If you like RPGs, there's a very short list, many of them Bioware games, of titles you must play, I feel, that you owe to yourself to play. And Classics. Knights of the Republic falls in that basket of games that, or I should say really it's story, falls in a basket, a very tiny basket for me of like the perfect story. I'd throw Death Note in there, I'd throw KOTOR in there, the list ends there. Like that's a tiny fingernail size Ooh. basket. Like Knights of the Republic is a story about identity. It's a love story. It's got a compelling villain. It's about meeting all these different people and walks of lives across the galaxy. I feel it made the worlds feel big. It's a great RPG. It's it's comedic at times with your relationship with Bastila. I mean, there's so much packed into this game and the remake was the greatest opportunity for people to finally see that. And if it goes down, it's I'll never forget it because I was so un, unapologetically excited because I thought Aspire was genuinely a great fit. I thought mm. when they got it, I was like, look, I know they've ported stuff before and that's really it. And I see a lot of people who saw this news like, as you get for giving it to a port studio, no one else has touched KOTOR except them in two decades. Who else would you give this to? I've said that Saber Interactive is a super talented studio. They're the ones who got The Witcher 3 on Switch working beautifully. Oh, yeah, they, oh, they doing the Lord. They're magicians, man. And then they go out and do World War Z and people are like, ah, what? wait, this is fire too. This is a horde game. They are really good. So I have trust in them. But if I'm talking about the intimate familiarity with the IP, you know, this is the team Aspire that brought KOTOR 2 back to life on PC, brought the modding scene in there. Like they cared. They absolutely cared. And I'm not advocating because I've leaked stuff. I'm advocating because that felt like the best shot there. And they felt like the fit. So I'm already like down on morale. And then I see this and I'm like, either there's two things happening. The game is getting canceled and we'll find out eventually. Or they are taking the game down because the vision has dramatically changed. The developer has changed. You can't put Aspire's name behind it. You don't have the music rights. And whenever it's time to re-reveal, it will come back. Like I said in a recent video, it'll come back with gameplay. And mm -hmm. the only time you show this game again is when there is certainty. Because that is one thing PlayStation always brought to the table is when you saw a game, you oh, knew yeah. you were getting it. Fact, and fact, this fact. is a rare moment where, at least to my memory, I'm seeing something and I don't know where the hell it is. Yeah. And that's... Even for their dud relationships like with Square Enix and Forspoken, we still got Forspoken. What we saw is what we got. It was it was announced, marketed, and delivered as we expected, which it wasn't good, and it was as cringe as you expect, but it was that. And so this is kind of like an offbeat for PlayStation, which says to me that there is legitimacy to those internal issues with KOTOR Remake. But it sucks, man. It sucks, yeah. and it sucks more because you wonder as well, we don't know if PlayStation saw something and didn't like it. Disney saw something and didn't like it. What is this alternate reality? Like I said, where Xbox had the chance to take this one on. If they took it, would they have allowed something that maybe wouldn't have been a good choice? That's the thing. We don't have like actual details on what was so despicable about KOTOR Remake in the first place to make it this thing that 
had to be pushed away. People had to be fired. People had to be removed from the project. They had to move it off to another team. Like, bad. Really bad. And I was told by someone separately that apparently the game wasn't shaping up that well. Which, you know, I know is just corroborating what's been told, but it was just a recent one where like, yeah, they were not, it was looking kind of mid. And so mm. there are quality standards at PlayStation for sure. Yeah, They've shown absolutely. that. Look at Spider-Man 2. It looks incredible. Absolutely. Look at Ragnarok and so on and so forth. So it could have been a mixed bag. It's really hard to read what's going on, but I'm going on very long here. I had to get oh, off my this chest. Is you. This is you. This yeah. is, as you said, therapy, because this is my favorite game of all time. And I know it's an Xbox show. And I've, I've went up and down Xbox for skipping this. Some people have tried to change it into like a pro Xbox narrative. Like, look, see, like they were going to inherit it. I'm like, cut it out. You would, still, you would be in line at the store pre-ordering this shit if it was coming to Xbox. And don't tell me you wouldn't be. So that's the end of my spiel. Uh, what do you think about what's going on with the KOTOR remake? Can you bring I me f- down to earth? Is everything going to be okay? I feel for you, man. I mean, it would be the way you feel about this is how I would feel about if Mass Effect trilogy got canceled and for these same reasons, or, you know, now we know it's uncertainty. There's a cloud of uncertainty. The trailer got pulled down. I'll be devastated because the same way you feel about Cold Tour is how I feel about Mass Effect, you know, the, the trilogy. And those, those games are transformative. They were part of my formative gaming years. I never played any RPG or any space odyssey like that, mm. you know? So for anyone to have that love of star Wars, the way you do it, then Revan and the whole, like, Bro, I get it. Attic feels the same way. So it's like to, to be on the cusp of getting your beloved with seemingly a perfect fit, right? That has that love, almost like a dotemu level of Sega classic. Yeah. And yeah. You, know, you know how they, they do with Ninja Turtles and they do yeah. with Streets of Rage. You could tell those dudes played the game. They understand what this is. These are the right guys. So... It, it does feel it sucks, man. If it, if, if it is canceled, so you know, as far as the you know the PlayStation side of it, if the you know quality is not there and it's not shaping up, they have been known right to say mm, we're not doing that. They they did that with what is it? There was no days gone too. Mm. You know the whole Ben Studio situation, which I felt had a good foundation and could have got a sequel, but whatever they saw, they didn't want them on that, and they, they're gonna put yeah. them towards you know Last of Us, and then obviously. You know, my beloved Bungie, you know, is over there and they overlook factions and they said that ain't it. <laughs> so Naughty Dog got told no. So in PlayStation's defense, there is a quality control, right? There is something if they, if they don't feel it's coming together, they're not just going to still push it out. Right. And Taco that- just said that uh, the mm-hmm. factions thing was like iced for now. Iced. Yeah. That's what we just heard. Right. So now it's like. It, it's it's tough because as a person who liked, you know, the idea of a multiplayer Last of Us, as a person who liked the idea of a Days Going To, and as a person who would have loved to come back to KOTOR and see it reimagined, right? But I guess to aid the, the final question, I'll throw it back to you, which is what's worse, right? Is it mm. is it worse that it's potentially being canceled versus you get it back and it's looking really little spooky. Yeah. It's not, it's a missed opportunity. And it's just like, oh man, it's not a good game. Like what, what were they doing? Who signed off? So it's tough, right? Because you yeah. want it back, but you want it back correct. Yeah. Right? And I, I would so. take getting it back right. And if it's not going to be done right, shutting it down, then yeah. just forcing it out. Because I would be humming a different tune if, 
if I didn't have the port. The ports are here, and I know they're only on Switch, but they're really good. Yeah, they make me happy. They run well. Kotor two on Switch. It introduced its own game breaking bug, but they fixed it. <laughs> they didn't deliver the DLC that makes the game really good and canceled it. So that's why I think something happened with the Star Wars license again involving Aspire because their silence just did not match up with what that studio typically does, which they were very communicative. Yeah. So, yeah, in answer to your question, I would like I would prefer they just cancel it and, and spare us the pain. The problem is this, man. It feels like a sick fucking joke to me personally, because it's like I never, ever thought in the era of remakes that they would do the KOTOR remake. I would never have imagined it. I would have t- I always begged specifically for a remaster because I was like, we're no one's going to do a remake of this. And I guess I might have been right. I guess I might have been right. If it doesn't happen. <laughs> Overall, yeah, <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, it's the friends you made along the way. Oh, now nah, I feel for you, bro. It, it, you you are like cursed a little bit with your favorite things, either made by the wrong studio or like you know, like questionable studio or canceled. It's like I feel for you now. With in, like the pressure's on. I'm telling oh. you right now, like do not fuck this up. You might be my last hope. Otherwise, you're hiring. <laughs> No, it's Which you did good with Dead Space. You did good with that. You came about, you space. about Dead Space. Yeah, I mm-hmm. did good with Dead Space. I'm trying to think here. Um, because there was one other that was like a a big W. Oh, the fact that there's no Sly Cooper. Yeah. I just man, I respect that PlayStation moves on, but at the same time, that's another one that's just dead. Fallout feels dead, but it's gonna be alive soon. So I I feel optimistic for the first time <laughs> in like eight years. Oh, so, you know. Ups and downs, right? That's what ups life's all downs. about. Ups and downs. Life's and all downs. about. I'll feel you. All right, that's enough of my therapy session. Let's get on to oh, more bad news. Layoffs have hit Epic Games. About 870 workers have been laid off with another 250 exiting via divestiture of Bandcamp and spinoff of Super Awesome. Now, CEO Tim Sweeney has blamed the slow Fortnite growth that is tied to user uh, that is tied to user shift toward lower margin creator content. Um, and it said that they are spending too much. So a lot of layoffs here. The original rumor was that Mediatonic got completely shut down, but that is yeah. not true. Um, so yeah, the, the the fall guys, guys and gals are safe mm-hmm. to, to, to a certain extent. To but extent, yeah. Uh, yeah, Epic having trouble of their own, the same stretch of time that Unity's having trouble of their own. And a lot of people have been pressuring Tim Sweeney, like, where's your pay cut, bro? You could have kept these people on. So yeah, it's it's going there. It's getting ugly fast. I feel like we're talking about layoffs all the time where it's hard to come up with something more original to say to the other, hey, hope you land on your feet. Hope everything's okay. Like eventually it's, you know, we got to see some type of either not overgrowing these companies where people start to get laid off. I know often layoffs are inevitable, right? In the business world to some extent, but there's got to be some level of control where like almost a thousand people getting shut down. Mm-hmm. It's a lot for Epic. I mean, what do you think of it? <sighs> Yeah, it's tough. And again, you made a good point, you know, as far as saying the same thing we generally say, like, hey, you know, hope they get back on their feet. And you're right. I think to me what it's signaling, I have a theory and a lot of it I do feel is in a post-COVID world. And Mm -hmm. I feel like, you know, unfortunately, a lot of big tech got they saw fool's gold. And, they, you know, we, we had, you know, thousands and millions and millions upon people at home driving engagement numbers and people are like, yo, 
this is where it's going, right? Invest, invest, invest. We're going to be fine. Look at look at how much engagement we're getting. But it, I, I feel it was fool's goal because once COVID started to lessen and, 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 and the pandemic obviously is not completely gone, but you know what I mean? In comparison to how it was, yeah. like the restrictions that we had, people went back to their normal routines. They went back outside, people travel. And those engagement numbers kind of went down. And I think people overcompensated. And I, all of big tech, no one's exempt. Every single company, you name it, it has had layoffs. And um, I think we're still on a tail. I think we're still seeing the residuals of that. My prediction would be like 2024, 2025 is when we start to stabilize. But to your point, if people continue to overinvest and, and, and just doing all these crazy projections, then you guys start looking at a con- complete video game industry crash. And that has happened before in the past, you know, so it's something to pay attention to. And I think this is the bigger, this is the real concern trolling I accept, <laughs> you know, say like the industry as a whole, right? People worry about gay pass and sustainability. You know, there's also people worrying about these games cost 300 million to make and you only getting 10 million back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like the, the, as an industry, then we people get mad about the acquisitions, you know, whatever, whatever. You're looking at what's going on right now with Fortnite. This is Fortnite. This is the number. This is the, the industry changer, mm-hmm. right? And look at all the deals. Every time I look up, they got some new anime character. They got the NFL. They got Marvel. They're throwing bags around. So clearly they were making money. But now it looks like, like according to Tim, slow growth now. Yeah. Right. And then at some point with anything else, you know, with that, that, that live service, it's hard to do it. I'm a destiny guy. I'll talk about it. It is hard to satiate the interest of the consumer for years and years and years and years. At some point, you're going to get fatigued. Mm. At some point, you're like, you know, I, I'm good. I'm good for a night. I'll take a little break. I'm over here. This, this is popping over yeah. here. It's going to, it's going to go like that. So that's the thing. And I, I just think it's, um, we have to look at the industry as a whole. This is my real concern, Trump. Is is everything that everyone is doing sustainable if we are over-investing and pumping all these men? Because all these layoffs, man, this is crazy. Mm. This is crazy. So yeah. that's just something to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Five former Ubisoft executives were reportedly arrested following a year-long sexual assault and harassment investigation within the company, according to French publication Liberation. So this is a pretty big deal that arrests are now being made based off the investigations that were there. And, um, you know, Ubisoft, I mean, we'll talk about Mirage in a little bit. In my eyes, the L's continue to come, and I just feel like we're, any day now, sales going to go yeah. through something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's, um, it's tough. Any yeah, thoughts on this news? Not too much, but just that they seem to be in the center of a lot of controversies, you know, yeah. and um, pretty big company and now arrest them. Yeah, bro, that's yeah. bad. So, yeah, it, it's because, you know, what, what's in the dark going to come to the light and they're going to have to deal with a whole. But I think a lot of those, you know, people are gone, but that's a huge thing. Right huge stain on what's happened there. Alan Wake, pardon me, Mm -hmm. Alan Wake 2 won't have performance mode on Xbox Series S. Cog, how are we feeling about digital only Alan Wake 2 not supporting the 60 frames? 
I know, little man got cut out, but um, I'm of a, I'm of the new theory now. I think there may be, I'm just guessing. I think there may be a shift internally, in terms post in a post Baldur's Gate world. I think there may be a lessening as far as the requirements as far as parity, and if development is going to be impeded, right? I think Microsoft has come to the decision. I'm just making stuff. I have no internal. I'm just, this is cog guessing that we are not going to miss out on the big games because of parity on the Series S. We recognize Series S is going to be our driver, our mover, but they're going to understand that, hey, you may get that 60 frames later. You may get that split screen later. You're not getting that on launch because we're not going to hold up the launch of one of the most anticipated games. Mm-hmm. And I think Baldur's Gate may represent a shift Agreed. in philosophy. Completely agree. Nothing else to add for me. That's exactly how I'm looking at it. So be prepared, Series S bros. Performance <laughs> mode not heading your way for Alan Wake 2. Lastly, an update on a recent day one Game Pass game. A blog post from Starbreeze confirms that Payday 3's server issues have been fixed. And despite these issues, the game has managed to surpass 3.1 million players. Quote, the scheduled maintenance carried out last week has fixed the initial matchmaking issues that occurred during Payday 3's first few days after launch. Matchmaking has been stable and has had good performance after the completed maintenance in the past five days. Payday 3 had a peak concurrent player count of 124,254 players end quote so pretty good stuff here and uh shows that people are very excited for payday 3 i still have yet to give this one a rep because i was waiting for these issues to get fixed but uh that there was a lot of anticipation for how broken it was and just non-functional to have that many players logged uh, of course game pass drives a lot of that but that is that is intense there's a lot of people who want to play payday 3 and it makes sense how long have we had payday 2 for so this is the next iteration of that yeah yeah no good i'm glad that it was able to get fixed it, it was kind of unprecedented the um, how bad it was to be yeah. honest i don't want to poo-poo that like many people could not log in obviously i played the beta way before the official launch i thought it was fun i think the lords we have a stream plan where we're gonna probably do uh payday three this saturday and probably party animals and just bug out all four of us yeah. at each other but um yeah this is on the list so Good to see that, you know, they finally got it resolved and hopefully that can, you know, drive the engagement because people, from what I understand, you know, they do like the game. So, yeah, I'm willing to give it a shot and see what's going on. And with that, Cog, that's the news for now. Let's talk about what games we're playing. We both have some interesting lists. I want to hear from you first because your first game on this list, this had Cog written all over and I'm glad to see you hopped in. How are you feeling about this one, sir? Yeah, the Lamplight is League, man. Um, Such a interesting experience mm. because i started like everyone hit me up cock yo cock turn base lord turn base what's up this is you i want to i want to hear yup you know like xcom style a little i don't know it was giving me kind of some indiana jonesy vibe a little bit so i'll just all right let me, let me see what's going on so basically it's like an alternate 1930s kind of era mm. and um the first thing you start off with two characters. Um, this is chick. I forget her name. She's um considered like a bruiser type, but it's kind of, like the, first of all the graphic style. It's kind of reminds me of contrast. Remember contrast from um compulsion from way back yeah, in the day. It was like yeah, a yeah. PS4. It's something about the art style that gives me that vibe, right? So I start the game off. Now this is where it weirded me out. Oh. I would be honest, man. It wasn't really strong on this at first because mm-hmm. it it. it it starts off overhead. I'm like, 
this is turn-based. Like I'm just moving around regular. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, not like it's a platformer, but what is it? Um, Semi-isometric over the head. Control was camera. You can manipulate the camera. And it was me and then a secondary carry shot name. I think his name is Latif. I love Latif. Latif is the star of the game. Like he's hilarious. He's he's a sneak based character. He could do little things. I, I love this character, right? And and the game, I'm gonna tell you right now, is extremely dialogue heavy. They are talking to each other all the time. Hey, wow. what do you do? What, I, I'm the, the master of sneaking. I can get over this this thing and I can open this door. And like it's that kind of energy. The two, you know, and they're supposed to be like two agents working together. Mm-hmm. So it starts off, and I'm like, okay, but where's the turn base? This is just me moving around, clicking X on, searching on items, and where's the thing? So the, the game's trying to build you up to the mechanics. Mm-hmm. You can switch back and forth, or you can use the group, almost like a um, Age of Empires where you run with your group together. You can separate the agents, or you can run with them together. But if you run with them together, Latif, who's a sneak, you mess up his sneak stuff. So sometimes it's better to say, okay, you over here, you stay here. I forgot the chick's name. Let Latif go around. And then he's got mechanics where he can knock people out, you know, because he has a sneak stat. And then their cone of vision is lower because he's a sneak. Mm -hmm. Whereas her as the bruiser, let's say you get to an area and there's people patrolling. And again, you notice I haven't said anything turn-based yet. This is just like an action game at first. This reminds me of... uh... Oh my god, I can't think of the, if I remember the name. Like something about like Age of the Shogun or something like okay. that. I'll, I'll look it up real quick. But, so but, I'm sitting there confused. I'm like, this is okay, but I'm like, where's the turn? <laughs> like, this is not turbid. That it was this. I was like, I was just freaked out again. So again, I'm coming into it with the face like. I don't know, Lamp Lightest League, but we got to keep t- tactics blades of the Shogun. That's the okay. I'm thinking of. So now I get to a section and then it's like, okay, there's two guards. You can't sneak because he had a limited amount of takedown attacks from behind that he could use. Then she has this attack called bruiser. So if people are like lined up, she could kind of like bull rush and knock multiple people out at one time. All right, cool. Mm -hmm. Now I get to the part. I have no more sneak attacks for Latif. I got no more bulldog attacks for the other chick. And now it's like there's a whole patrol of enemies and you're on these rooftops and stuff. And at that point, the game says, okay, you did enough. Let's get into turn-based mode, right? Oh. And I'm like, oh, okay. So it's, an, it's a real-time switch to turn-based game on the instant, right? So basically now I get it. You press R trigger, turn-based mode activates. Now you got your cover. You st- I'm like, okay, yeah. there we go. Latif now got the piss down. And okay. he's like, ha-ha. Like, and then he's got shot. Then he got you could do Overwatch. I'm like, okay, now, oh, now we, oh, okay. let's get it. Let's get it. Then we, now we're talking. So then she got this thing where she's all melee. I love her. Like, so she could run. She Everybody's got this, um, this like special one-time move per um, level. You only use it one time, but this is their most powerful thing. Her thing is she run down and she give the beats to groups of people. She does martial arts. So if anybody's in her circle radius, she gets crazy, right? So I like that. Then he, Latif is it. Like he's the best character. Latif is the best character in the game. Latif got this joint where he could put a decoy of where he's at move all the aggro from the enemies go towards the decoy mm. and then he could move around he could do overwise he could kill people with the piss this is where the game start to cook i'm like oh i'm liking this this is dope then as you go going through the stages 
They're introducing you more mechanics, picking up items, doing other things. They, then you start getting more characters. So I recruited this dude and he's like, uh, what you call it? I forgot his, his title. Where he could basically open up locks. He's got, he could put landmines on people's patrol routes and stuff. Mm. Then his turn-based game, he got the double pistols. He could shoot twice. Like, he's ill. Like, I forgot his name. I was like, oh, this this cooking cooking. Then I ain't going front, though. You get to, like, further on and keep going. The game keep introducing new mechanics, more mechanics. You get to this part where it's like, you got to save the pilot. You got to escape. And then you guys could jump off and fly to the island. Now, this is where the game difficulty spike got crazy. They start bringing out these characters who you can't sneak behind. They got, like, ninja swords. And they, she's like a boss. She had, like, 800 HP. So, I clearly, I'm like, there's no way I can beat this character. You have to try to kill off as many of them as you can and escape from these characters. These are too powerful. They're like mini bosses that enter the field. Mm. So, the game starts to cook. And, um, yeah, man. I like it. I like it a lot now. It really, it started off a little clunky. It started off a little weird. I will say the weakness, I couldn't tell you what the damn story is about. <laughs> like, it's, it, it, the story is kind of weak. It's just kind of like, you know, we're secret agents. We we wisecrack with each other, but we just want to get paid. And we're going to, you know, go, you know, meet up with some mysterious benefactor mm. who wants us to go get these artifacts or something in the 1930s. There's a rival organization that is trying to stop you along the way. So that's kind of the basis of it. But what I will say is good about the story is the character banter between all of them. I'm talking about every five minutes, every new encounter you go to, they are talking with each other. They're talking when they do their moves and it adds a person and it's all voice acted and it's nice. excellent voice acting. So Lamplighters League, I, I like you. I like you. Yeah. You, you warm me up. I was worried about you. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be for me <laughs> and I might drop you. I'm going to be real. I was just like, the first two hours, I was like, <laughs> where's the turn base? I was like, what is this? This is not what I'm here for. But yeah, nah, they, they got, it's a great, and then when you get to the base, this is when it gets into Maddie's zone. Bro, they got skill trees, mm. all the characters, different passive abilities, level up a bit. I was like, oh, y'all coming for me now. <laughs> this is a perfect ROG ally game. I'm going to download it on an ally as nice. well. So Lamp Light is League, yes. So far, so good. I'm going to stick with you. Let's see if you keep it up. And then obviously, you know, um, Destiny, I've took a, a long break. Bungie's getting a lot of smoke right now, man. It's Still? Nuts. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, right now the game is in a good playable state. But um, I don't know if you heard, obviously, with the factions thing, people are coming at them. Bungie, you, how dare you cancel? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not. And then there's a other political controversy. Oh, I, I thought that's what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah, there's that. And then the Latino community is not happy with the, the statement they made. So Bungie's not, you know. Um, But other than that, and back to the games. Um, <laughs> so I, I took a break from Destiny for about now three weeks to a month. I waited because they were having all type of technical issues. And all that I heard was resolved through a patch. And I played the gameplay smooth, flawless, no errors, no getting booted to dashboard, none of that. Season of the Witch, this storyline is excellent. Mm -hmm. This is a nice precursor to the final shape. And we have to make some uneasy alliances. And there's one that I was waiting for, for a story payoff. If you played Witch Queen and you beat Witch Queen, you know a certain character who I love, who's on the enemy side, died. And um, 
there is a bargain that has to be made. And this is so well done. And then a character on our side basically meets the challenge. And um, no, this is this is this is classic back to good storytelling, seasonal content. The actual activities were fun. I was able to knock out all six weeks that I missed back to back. So, yeah, they're in a good place. They're setting it up and we'll see if they they line up with Final Shape Great. So that's been pretty much it for me. And then uh, it was just kind of it's like a nice little palate cleanse before I get back because I didn't, I was been playing Cyberpunk, but I don't want to talk about it until I get to the new Phantom Liberty stuff because I oh, did a okay. whole brand. Yeah, so I, I felt like it's not right for me to talk about it until I do the new stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I've been having like the 2.0 update. Yeah, it's, oh, it's really good. so good. It is so everything has changed. Like the 2.0 by itself. Low key, you could make an argument like that's fire. So I just can't wait to get to the because they gave me they give you the option if you want to start with the Phantom Liberty. I'm like, no, I want to do the 2.0 into the yeah, final. You're, you're doing it the right way. Yeah, if I yeah, didn't have so, to review it, I would have done it the same way. And I will say this, off oh, about Phantom, it's the first time I said, God, you, you always do street kid. Like, embrace your corporate cock. Stop, <laughs> bro. Corpo is wild different. I was just like, yo. The whole start of the game is different. Like yeah. I, I never did corporal at all. I was like, yo, this is this is a bait. Everybody's shysty. Bro, and then I came, I was in the little um the, the little air limo with the with the liquor that came through. <laughs> Bro, I was I'm feeling it. I was like, yo, this is the play. I I gotta embrace my corporate cock and stop playing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's been it's been a fun amount of gaming and, and still more stuff. But I'm dying. You you've got a very interesting list, and Dad, I don't know what you've been playing, sir. Yeah, let's start off with the big one: mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Mirage. My review right. is out on my Mister Maddie Plays YouTube channel. If anyone wants to check it out, uh, this is a short one, fifteen ish hours. Not a long runtime at all, which uh, was something really? you was directly responding to after the reception of Valhalla and Odyssey. No level gating. Um, so yeah, just keep all that in mind. If anything I say sounds good to you, that this could be a game that you pick up and go like, oh, uh, that I, I wanted to spend 15 hours and move on. I I didn't really like this game much, though. Um, very, very lukewarm on it. So for those who don't know, you play as Basim, who is uh, one of the main characters from Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So already you're kind of on your back foot a bit because many people from what I've read in comments and I'm just going off anecdotal stuff I'm seeing is not a lot of people got to the end of Valhalla. They kind of liked the beginning to mid and then you had to start upgrading your village and then burned out. And it's like 80 hours, 90 hours, hundred hours before you get your resolution. And so that story, while I, I, I really enjoyed playing Valhalla, that story wasn't really why I was there. It does lean into you knowing Basim, who he is, what he becomes, because this game, Assassin's Creed Mirage, takes place before all of that. I will say it also gets back to the series roots, um, as I'm sure people have already heard. So it is about blending. It is about tailing, eavesdropping. What I will say to kind of start off my criticism is I think it gets a little too close to the originals and instead chooses not to evolve upon them. So if you think of AC1 as an example, one of the open world activities they have is chasing down flags, or in AC3, you'll chase down almanac pages, uh, just 
filler content really not fun not engaging not interesting and you saw how over the course of the series i always go to this as my favorite example uh unity introduced murder mysteries and you're like this investigator as a side activity it's not even the main meat of the game um you'll do gang wars and syndicate right these these activities that are personalized by the time period and that's why, even though I wasn't crazy about Basim as a character or the story that's told about him, I was very much disappointed by how they didn't use the setting in a way to create new, fun gameplay activities and instead just looked at AC1 and went, okay, like, let, what if we just ran that back very literally? And so like the main side activities you're going to do are collecting historical site uh, codex entries. So you'll literally walk up to an area, no guards, nothing, hold Y, you're done. That's it. You'll go up to a random civilian who's just out in the middle of nowhere, pickpocket them, you got an artifact, you're done. You'll <laughs> go up to another random civilian and the other collectible they help, they'll have is a mysterious shard. You pickpocket them, you're done. <laughs> it's, it's, I said in my review, you couldn't call it busy work because it doesn't keep you busy. It's, it's just work. It's just filler. It's not interesting. It's not fun. The main force of side content is contract. So much like an AC1, you go back to the bureau, talk to the head of the bureau. You look at your mission board. What can I do? You accept these contracts, which revolve around kill this person, race this person, interact with this object. And they all use the same gameplay construct of what I mentioned before. So the experience doesn't really evolve at all and so yeah it's it's a very stagnant assassin's creed game and and my biggest problem with it is on its design really because how i described it in my review is because it's a smaller game like the map is smaller everything's smaller it's good like we don't need every assassin's creed game to be 80 hours um i love odyssey for example i liked valhalla a ton they don't need to be these super super long games but with AC Mirage, what they do is now the areas are smaller. That means there's less avenues of approach through the level. There's less windows to crawl through, less doorways to open. Most of the doorways are barred off. It's You're going down very specific pathways that the game is making you do this, right? Keep that in mind because what happens is the, the areas, these very tiny pea-sized areas are overfilled with guards and mm. so what happens is this very vicious cycle because the combat in the game isn't very good at all and this is done deliberately mind you it is by intent that basim a assassin is not good in hand-to-hand -hand combat so you have light attack heavy attack those are both mapped to one button dodge parry it's a three button combat system very simple very very simple but not good and it's meant to be that way which i understand and so what happens is you have the combat. If Actually, let me reword it this way. It's okay individually that the combat's not good because you want me to play stealthy. It's okay if you want to fill certain areas with guards to make it more challenging. And it's mm -hmm. okay if based off the way you've budgeted the game and the scale you're going for that you've shrunken down all these areas okay. to make them more tightly compact. But when you put all three of these together, what happens is you're going through these areas, you get caught, you either run away and hide, which is just frustrating eventually over time. Like, oh, I got to run away again, got caught again. 
or you fight and the fighting in the game is bad. So you're constantly getting chased because there's no creative ways to approach the locations because they're so one note, like down this hallway, down that hallway. It's like, bro, there's three fucking guards in this hallway. What do you want me to do? <laughs> um, and the game doesn't give you, I think, enough creative tools to answer those Mechanics, problems. Yeah. You know, you'll get a teleport stabbing ability. Very supernatural, very cool, but very supernatural. And that can be very useful. And if you silently take out guards, that's how you refill it. But if you're constantly fighting, you're not going to refill it. So it sounds like a scale issue, but it's a problem that you, I promise when you lay hands on it, will present itself very quickly to you as you're like, damn. At first it's like, oh, shucks, caught again. <laughs> and then it happens again and again and again and again. You're like, bro, I had, what do you want me to do there? And it's because a lot of the game is built around the notoriety system. The reactive city is what they call it. So What's when that? your notoriety goes up, if it's at max, like the people are going to point you out and be like, guards. Oh, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So cool. basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. wanted system, but like, it's not just the guards going after you. It's like the civilians will start to notice you. Got you. Oh, but okay. then like, if it's at level two, they're going to be like, wait, oh, oh my God. And they'll start like running away from you and stuff. Oh, and then they recognize you. That stuff is cool. But I like it in this own self-contained area of people reacting to me, but not as a fueler for the gameplay. Like you don't yeah. use that to, what, what if we shove them out of the area a bunch of times so they had to rip down posters and then come back in. And sometimes okay. getting in is far too limited in my eyes. Like you either can, mm. one of the systems they just didn't utilize enough that probably could have changed all this is there's a token system. Like you can give guards a, a power token and and these mercenaries will attack the guards and it'll open a way for you to enter a place. Okay. It sounds cool, right? Like a currency, you can pay merchants to bring their 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 wares into a place. Okay. And so you can kind of hide in with the okay. with the wares. Okay. All right. There are moments of one brilliant moment that you would have loved is I was in a mission in this open bazaar. And the way that I got from point A to point B was not like stealthing to the shadows. It was walking through the crowd and waiting for like guards to turn around or just walking with people. And they'll only see me briefly because then I slip into another crowd of people. Mm -hmm. That stuff was really cool. So mm -hmm. I don't want people to get the idea that AC Mirage is like, oh, Ubisoft, that big failure. Like there are really good ideas here. I just feel when they put them all together, it's not well executed because it probably didn't get tested enough. Um, mm -hmm. You can definitely feel that they, they tried to say like, oh, the story, the story, like... um. Assassin's Creed Mirage needed to be a full story. No, it didn't. It's, this story is not good. Um, very weak. Very mm. little development for Basim, which is a shame. And very, especially very little feel for the characters that surround him. Because last thing I'll say, I know I'm going on a while. Mm -hmm. For those who played AC Odyssey, you'll know that there is a, a, a whole side thing. Remember, side thing. Where you hunt down cultists, right? They're wearing masks. You collect clues on them. You reveal their identity. You hunt them down. You kill them. And that's like the very Assassin's Creed component of that game. So what Ubisoft did is went, put it right into Mirage, like the exact same system. So you have five heads of this order. You're trying to track them down. You don't know who the hell they are. You're going to gather clues and mm -hmm. you'll read a piece of paper and be like, my name is so-and-so and I'm an evil dude. Okay. That person's bad. We're going to go <laughs> kill him now. And that's it. The people oh. that you meet within these stories, they have to be self-contained because you can go and do any case at any time. So there's no buildup. They're just isolated drags, man. They're, it's not good. So good. Uh, Mirage has good ideas that I think need to be executed and balanced better. Uh, but I hope Ubisoft tries this style of game again because it was 
look, I was just talking last week about like, yeah, I'm reviewing a lot of games. It's kind of chewing me up. And I'm not trying to look at it just from the perspective of like, what's good for my job. But based off how the the, the people are reacting nowadays to like Spider-Man 2 being 30 hours to 100% the game, more, more of yeah, that. Like, Let's start imitating the 360 PS3 gen more by design, exactly. not by energy, not by quality, by how long we spend with these games. We've just gotten this idea that more is good, and it was never the case. There, JRPGs used to not be defined by being these 80 to 100 hour extravaganzas. JRPGs were 20 hours on like the SNES yeah. and so on. Like, Thanks. this was how games used to be made tight, compact. And so, I want mm-hmm. you know, Ubisoft's best games are that like Mirage has great ideas, and I go to, to um, Mario and Rabbids, uh, Sparks of Hope. I know it was a very overlooked game, uh, during the last year's holiday period. Um, and Ubisoft even said, like, we should have listened to Nintendo and released it later. They should have. That game was amazing. It was so fucking good. Completely overlooked, completely overshadowed. But it was good because it was tighter. It was good because it was more well thought out. They had time yeah. to just really let certain mechanics marinate and develop. That's one of the things that's missing from Mirage is things don't develop. Story, gotcha. things don't develop gameplay wise. Gotcha. And so you get into this. It's not like, oh, at first I'm getting caught a lot and then I get things to get me caught less. I just don't think the upgrades answer any of the game's problems. So mm-hmm. no, that's huge. That's AC huge. Mirage, not awful. I, I gave it away for a sale in my review. I said mm-hmm. 30 bucks. Okay. You'll be good. You'll be no, totally no, fine no. with anything I just said, I think. No, you broke that down. You broke that down. I respect it. And we had Avatar right. Quest for Balance. I had oh, to do boy. my duty and check out what's going on with the latest Avatar The Last Airbender game. Oh. This was the one that was announced a couple months ago. Got a trailer and people were like, is that a PS2 game? And, oh uh, no! And people oh, were not no. being disrespectful, by the way. <laughs> I own all three Avatar video games that exist on consoles, I should say. And this game looks just like those. It really does. Now I'm like one of those people who's like art styles king. If you got something here that you're trying, I don't know what you're trying to authentically represent here, but I'm gonna come in with an open mind. If the game's fun, the game's fun. this game is so bad, dude. <laughs> It's so bad is you know what's funny i think a breath of the wild style avatar game would be amazing with the elements they have and this game tries to push in the direction of like puzzles and whatnot it's just like Ugh. you could tell because this game got like it got pretty much shadow dropped and reviewers were not allowed access to the game that like avatar quest for balance was just they're trying to bury it and hope some dumbass parent out there is like Hey, little Johnny, you want a new Avatar video game? Here Isn't you go. Isn't this the thing you like? Yeah, this, this is, yeah right. Isn't this what you like? It is so horrifically a reminder of when I was a kid and you buy the game, you see the THQ logo there. And you're like, Fairly Odd Parents breaking the rules. I love Fairly Odd Parents. Let me check it. Yeah, and I'm just sitting there with the straightest fucking face of all time playing it like, yo, this sucks. Same energy here with Avatar. Like, I love Avatar. Oh my god! Put the disc in. Yo, this is mid. Like, it's straight up the same thing. The coolest thing Avatar Quest for Balance does is like the village that you meet uh, Saki in, for example. You get to run around it and like interact with characters. the The audio balancing is scratchy and horrible. The characters don't look good. Don't sound good. The voice acting is terrible, uh, which is funny because I think like for an old cartoon. Avatar was actually really well acted. It's also one of the best stories ever told. And Quest for Balance is not like this compelling thing like, yo, Cog, I know, like, hey, man, you know, you think this is creepy if you're watching, but try this out, right? <laughs> try like, this one. 
you just can't do it with this one. It's a kid's game. And for all the wrong reasons, because they like, we got to have more faith in our youth. They're not stupid. They can play more complex games. Think of the games that we were playing when we were kids. One of my first gaming memories as a kid was KOTOR. It's a complex RPG for an eight-year-old to take on. I think I was eight. Yeah, eight. Okay, eight years old, I'm playing KOTOR. And I figured it out. I beat the game tons of times. Why are we making games like this for kids? I'll tell you why. It's cheap, it's easy money, and it's lazy. And also, Game Mill is making Nick All-Star Brawl at the same time, which looks really good. So I think there was a uh, prioritization on where money should go and where (laughs) we could get the free bag. But yeah, Avatar Quest for Balance stupid easy puzzles awful combat boss fights that'll make you die laughing if you watch my video of it on retro rebound it's hilarious how zuko just stands there they reuse that boss fight constantly this is a bad game y'all it's a bad game all right time for peak let's go rk128 has the right in hello supersonic dukes this one specifically for maddie since i know he played it but chime in anytime cog I played through most of the Frontiers uh, Final Horizon update, and it's one of the most interesting DLC Sega's ever put out for Sonic. They essentially finished the game in a way, completely revisiting the final act and giving it away to everyone for free. I personally like it a lot, but the higher difficulty and jank from the base game drags the experience down somewhat. Did you finish it, Maddie? And what are your overall thoughts on Frontiers now? Have a, I guess Sonic is literally Goku now kind of day. (laughs) I'm dying to hear this. Yeah, so Final Horizon's out. It's a free update. And I'll I'll be honest, when I fired it up, I was really expecting like a two-hour excursion, like in, out, you know, just a little taste of what's to come in whatever Sonic Frontiers 2 or whatever they're going to call the next game that follows this one up. Oh, no, man. I was so wrong. It is fucking amazing, I'm afraid. I love this update. Now, I will say this. RK is totally right. There is a high difficulty spike that if you were playing on normal and up, Sega, <laughs> Sega took what people were saying at launch personally with a capital <laughs> P. They Too were easy. like, oh, we're giving you mindless platforming. Oh, you thought this was easy? Okay, bet. There is no, we're on the other spectrum now. Every kid could go through Avatar Quest for Balance with their eyes closed. No kid will beat Avatar, or sorry, Sonic Frontiers, Final Horizon ever. It is that difficult if you were Damn. playing. Like, even on easy, man, like tri- Combat Trial 2, I'm like, what the fuck was Sega smoking? This is so <laughs> difficult. And I had to, uh, like, jank, break the game a little bit. So, yeah, RK's right. There is some jank, but there is a spirit here that is undeniably fantastic. So, what they add, that's like the big thing, is three playable characters. You get to play as Amy, uh, Tails, and Knuckles. And they all have their own play style, like, all their own callbacks. Like Amy has the tarot cards when she floats around. Knuckles has his glide, climb walls. It's, I'm telling everyone right now because I know it in my heart and soul. They are prepping for a Sonic Adventure 1 remake. They are literally mm. one character away, which is E102 Gamma. They have Big the Cat. We can leave him out of the experience, I think. You know, we don't need to go fishing. That's not that's not the next gen experience anymore. Like was on the Dreamcast. A man can go to the side, give us a little mini game or something like that, like they did in Frontiers. But I think that they have all the pieces now to do a Sonic Adventure One remake, and I think they're going to do it because it is such easy money nowadays. But these characters play differently, and Cog they even give them their own themes, and the music oh. in Sonic Final Horizon is so good. It's better than the base game. It is better oh. than the base. I'm telling y'all right now, like. I have played Octopath Traveler 2 this year. I have played a lot of games this year. 
I think the Final Horizon updates got the best music in gaming this year. Ooh. No cap. I know you're going to raise an eyebrow. First of all, Sonic music has always been great, but I'm, this is moody, atmospheric. Like there's like in Amy's track, like you can hear a clock ticking in the background. Like for all people clown on Sonic or, on, or like ironically love on Sonic, I'm telling you all like the atmosphere in Frontiers is legitimately worth mm. it. I said in my video, I stand, I stand by it. I love the game. It was in my top 10 last year. I don't care. But Sonic Frontiers is like the best seven out of 10 game you can play. Like it really Ow. is. It is, it is not going to blow your socks off in its, its technical prowess as fucking railways load in right before your very eyes. Draw distance in the game is terrible. Like, yeah, you're going to see jank, like RK pointed out. But there is a spirit here and a story here that is legitimately great. I think it's it's not just like a oh finally we got something decent type of take like especially after Final Horizons like it is a really good story like I think they fixed any problems with the game and then added some on top like now you can play as anybody in all of these islands they completely overhauled the final island there are new new stages these stages you can't just get the collectibles blindfolded you can literally miss collectibles they've added animals in which are collectibles that were from Sonic Adventure mm -hmm. One like. I'm telling y'all, you can feel the spirit of SA1 here. You can feel okay. that they're gearing up for a little remake at some mm -hmm. point down the line. Like they're setting up something special here, man. And like this is an awesome game. And the fact that this was free, I mean, they added so mm. much to it. Also, in past updates, like they've added the jukebox, so you can collect new things on the map, like you can collect music notes. Here's why that works compared to something like, say, Assassin's Creed Mirage, because it's not the mm. only thing you're doing. You can go into stages, you can platform differently. But yeah, this shit's difficult. This shit is really difficult. Like the platforming is hand sweating Sonic hero style platformer. Like, yo, if I fall once, I am going to rage right now. Uh, and so you have that. The combat focus is uh, there and, and the combat trials, not crazy about uh, rip to any kid who, who gives that a, a try. They are going to fail spectacularly. <laughs> uh, even on easy. I'm just warning Damn. everyone now it is difficult, but um, I've always liked frontiers a lot. And I, I still think it's fantastic. I, I love it. And, um, you know, I think it's a real strong step forward for a series. And uh, if you were if you were chuffed by the final boss in Frontiers, which was mm -hmm. I won't say what it was, but it was very like I remember playing on hard to access this secret secret final boss. And I'm like, what the hell is this thing here? Like, mm -hmm. what's going on? And I will just say that this is much better, much better, much improved. So. Sonic Team is listening. Sonic Team is doing their work. And uh, I think they, they I want to say knocked it out of the park, but they got the big pieces right here. And uh, they were definitely responding to the feedback. They were like, oh, yeah, you want it tough? Join me. We'll give you, you yeah, we'll give you tough talk. We'll give you tough Sonic then. So mm -hmm. that's what you have here. I respect it. I respect it. We got a couple of warm up questions now that we're done talking about what we're playing here. First one comes from Enucleator, and it's a common one that we're being asked, Cog. You may have noticed a certain game was missing from the Dukes what we're playing list here. Hey Dukes, Forza Motorsport reviews are out and perhaps a bit lower than one would have liked. It's currently sitting at an open critic of 83 and the commentariat is out there talking about bias against Xbox and unfair comparisons to the Horizon series. Would enjoy hearing your guys' opinion. Have an excellent day. Thank you for writing in. Now, Cog, I wanted to talk a bit about where... Forza Motorsport sits on open credit. Bring it up right now. It's been moved up a single point to 84. Okay. 
And some people found this soft. And I'm curious if you agree with that mm-hmm. takeaway, because as someone who hasn't played it beyond our preview, kind of agree, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel I feel like the Forza games are almost like the secure nine and up, mm-hmm. like what we saw with Horizon. Like it was, I wouldn't say surprising. It was doing so well, right? Because it was a, fi- a formula that's been iterated upon. But in '84, is nothing to be upset about. But for Forza, I did find this a little lower than I had originally thought. I thought this mm-hmm. would be the secure nine out of ten. Now it says ninety three percent critics recommend, mm-hmm. but that's my initial read. I haven't played it where I don't know if I'd match up with what people are saying beyond the preview window that we experienced, which was a build that was a month old at the time. So with that, Cog, I want to dish it to you. Mm -hmm. Is there a bias against Xbox (laughs) here? Uh, No, here we go. Look, this is a tough one for me to answer because, again, you know, this is not my wheelhouse. The simulation racing game is not my wheelhouse. So I can only give you the perspective of the horizon player from my, 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 you know, my experience. And I don't know if that's something that translates to reviewers as well. You know, as far as that, you know, obviously Forza Horizon 5 was, was rated extremely high. What I'm hearing, this is, this is the consensus. Shout out, again, first of all, shout out to Mahmoud, my editor-in-chief, Gaming.net. we reviewed it. He gave it a nine. He really loved it. He's, I would consider him in that middle zone, which is he is a Horizon guy, but mm. he likes his hardcore simulation based rate. He used to play those. So he gave good perspective. And again, I got to plug the home team, you know, let's get in that net, you know, go check it up. We have our review out now. So here's the thing. The consensus is the game from a pure racing standpoint, the way it feels, the way it drives, nailed it. The physics engine changes, everything they did to make the actual racing good. Great. What I'm hearing is there is some pushback towards car RPG. Now, for the casual guys like us, I liked it. I was like, oh, we leveled yeah. up. We get this. Some well, people we saw that kind of coming. Remember, we talked about that in our preview. We were like, I don't know if the, the hardcore is going to like it. That's literally what we said. This comes down to the hardcore and it's going to come down to, let's be honest, G, you know, Gran Turismo is out there. Right. So there's always going to be this natural comparison. So I think that's what's going on in conjunction with I did see something from Digital Foundry. And the other thing I'm hearing is an artistic graphical style change on the way they approach certain courses. So from what I understand, GT took a more hyper-realistic approach, whereas as far as like daytime, I heard it's like a daytime setting. The way something things look in the day may be a little softer on the um, Forza side, but then they were talking about the ray tracing, the the variety of different, you know, um, environments that people liked that on Forza better. So to me, it's it's a tough one, but the main pushback that I do hear is either the car stuff, the car RPG stuff, or the um, feature set at launch kind of deal, kind of thing. So, again, mileage will vary, <laughs> literally. And um, I think it's one of those things that I, I got to read the more hardcore guys' reviews to see where they land on it. But the consensus from what I do hear, though, People still like this game. People say this game. Yeah, is, it's not a bad game. Yeah, no one say like, "Yo, they dropped the ball." Like this is crazy. Like people really love the game, and in certain aspects, it's a looker, it's a stutter. So, again, I, I I can't comment on the bias part because 
it would be, it would have I would have to be the hardcore Gran Turismo guy and the hardcore you know plays the series year after year and has that idea of what's truly mm-hmm. changed and the differences and I think that's the opinion that I would go respect but eighty three is still a good score and I anticipate you know them to to continue to support this game and, and it do well so we'll see what do you think I will say this I think the reason games like Forza or Starfield are scoring a little bit lower. It's not because of, as uh, a nucleator pointed out, like bias against Xbox, for example. I do think there's truth to the idea that these games are being built to last rather than built and then you move on. We'll talk about in a little bit how Starfield's going to be supported for at least five years. Forza Motorsport, while the, you know Dan Greenwald had insisted like it's a AAA release, it's a $70 game, it's a premium game, and we're going to add on... T- that's the thing you're going to add on to it. And I do think that leaves the door open for experiences to feel a little bit more hollow. One thing I did read about Forza Motorsport, and again, I don't want to just go off of other people's opinions. That's not the type of show we run. I will try to put my hours in this week and just see what's going on here. But some people found the career mode to be a, l- a little bit bare bones. Um, if I were to point out a specific review that people should read from a guy who like really knows his shit, uh, read Ains's review from Seasoned Gaming. Well, that's my homie, Seasoned Gaming. Yeah, read yeah, his Forza Motorsport review. He's got an almost 20-minute review up on his Seasoned Gaming channel, mm-hmm. or you can read his review on SeasonedGaming.com. This is a guy who's like, he was authentically, you know, he, he's what I call as the joke of Forza, bro. Like, oh, he was on his timeline, like, yo, this is one of my most anticipated games, can't mm-hmm. wait. Like, how I was talking about Starfield pre-launch. Yes. Like, yes, is like Forza, that bro. So if you want that's that enthusiast angle. And Halo, bro. We had him I'd on. i go from and Halo, bro. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Um, because we had him on for that. So he's he's friend of the show. Please check him out. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that'll give people the kind of angle they're looking for of like analysis and understanding the deeper workings of the game and having a history with racing games. Like his review starts off at the top talking about Gran Turismo and like how Gran Turismo 2 was a big change in the industry and so on and so forth. So there's history there. But what I'm getting at here is what I've heard is some parts of the game feel a little bare bones, like there's meat to be added on down the line. Mm-hmm. And Starfield, in its core, one of my biggest complaints was like, these planets are just kind of empty. And while the game is chock full of content, there isn't that exploration nature that I know Bethesda's just going to add on top of. And if mm-hmm. they don't, obviously, modders will. Where we now have had, in, in my eyes, and really Redfall, you could throw in the same bin. I'd say Hi-Fi Rush is the standout that doesn't get carried in this conversation. We've had three games in a row that are, we're going to add on to this over time. Pete Hines saying that in 10 years from now, people are going to be playing Redfall because they're going to fit, like, which, look, man, it's we're, we're, getting, we're getting dangerously close to 2024, and we still got 60 frames. On oh, let's, 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 let's get to the frames. Let's pump the brakes on that, but just for the sake of conversation, I do no want to open people's minds this way Bethesda or Bethesda Xbox is making games, which is producing great games, but maybe not critical darlings. And I've always had my finger on, it was either going to be Starfield. Or I still view Hellblade 2 as the breakout title. That is that 90 plus uh, just because I think Ninja Theory are perfectionists in their craft and that they're going to be the ones who hit that type of home run. Not that these others aren't, but it's something worth observing. It's not to say that the games are bad or worse, but, the way Xbox has to fuel Game Pass demands these games to be drawn out and supported longer, which is exciting if you got something like, I really like Starfield. I'm excited to play five plus years of Starfield. Mm -hmm. That sounds great to me, but there isn't a sense of finality and therefore 
stuff can be left on the table for later, mm. like service games. Okay. And that's where Game Pass is this changing force. Um, so I don't think it's bias in the industry. I do feel like what you have here in Forza is probably one of the top racing experiences. Certainly it's coming out cleaner than Gran Turismo 7 did at the, wow. what was it, the top of last yeah, year? It was kinda, yeah, I remember that. Which was pretty messy. Mm-hmm. So that's a good start for them. Um, but it looks like there may be stuff to build on top of beyond that. But I want to lay my own hands on it before I comment yeah, further. Same. But I just want to make sure I put out that thought to people that yeah. consider where Xbox is trending, where we're seeing a lot of, we'll add to this over time. Halo mm-hmm. Infinite, of course, being the most popular example. But I get what that. do you think of what I presented here? Do you think I, I'm off the beat, off the pack? I, I know where you're going long term as far as like feature set, right? And I, I only pushback I'll give is that I don't want to give this illusion like the games are not quality at launch and that like yeah. they're busted or they're fundamentally flawed. Because I think that's the extreme thing. Because I see this narrative of, you know, hey, you know, Oh, they're just putting busted games in Game Pass and they'll fix it later kind of energy. And I'm not saying that that has not happened at all, but I think the majority of the big, like, pace it point, as much as I give Halo Infinite issues with the monetization model, if we look at Halo Infinite core gameplay, is it fun? Did we have a good experience when we played it? The answer is yes. And I've always said the game, the campaign was solid and I felt the, whole, the multiplayer was solid. It just feature set monetization model for said game was lacking at launch that the clearly was supposed to add on time they weren't prepared for but i want to get back to the core essence that the game itself is fun and it's good and, and, and i had a good time with it and i again i have to dive deeper into forza i let my moon shout out to my moon launch gaming let them rock this is the car guy I felt that was the person who needs the review, right? So when I hear stuff like that, I hear stuff like Ainsley, who's the homie, say what he says, then that resonates with me, right? So I just feel like they're they're in this spot with a couple of games where the core game is solid, right? But to your point, there are some things that's like, okay, we can put that on roadmap and we can add this on roadmap to keep this thing as this continual thing and that's a good i think that's a fair assessment of them i think that's you know something that does go in conjunction let's be honest with the game pass model the only caution i would have is that i do want i do want a a game again it's it's subjective and it's hard to say like i want a 90 better critic game i do but it is subjective but it, it would be great to see that off the rip and i don't know if there's bias on this because i don't play these type of games to to be able to make that determination to the original question you know what i'm saying i can only talk about the stuff that i'm really super passionate about or i'm super knowledgeable about kind of thing but it is i will say it's worth the monitor it's worth the monitor and to see that's what it is but we'll see what like the hellblade you know what I'm saying? When that comes up, we'll see with the fable, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that when that comes up. But there's a lot of questions that, to ask with this, but it's clear that Forza did make this shift to a platform. That we have to admit. Yeah. Yeah. Starfield is an 86 right now in Open Critic and Forza Motorsport at an 84. Certainly not numbers to scoff at by any right. means. You know, these games are doing great. And, and, and more importantly, people are having fun with them. Eventually, there is that we do need to give attention to the reviews. That's like something we did with Redfall as well when they were really bad. Like it's the lowest rated Xbox game, yeah. I think, ever. So, yeah, like th- these are important. But at the same time, it's also important to give attention to 
are the players having fun? Is it what they want? What is the player count like? Is what Starfield's ta- conversation? You think this game is fucking failing? Yeah, you think it's the worst thing? I see videos every day. I, I recommended about how terrible it is. Oh, it's mid. Oh, I've seen people clip us like, oh, you see, it's wearing off, and these guys hate it now, and they, oh. you know, bro, I, I've seen it all. I'm like, oh wow, we hate it. Like, so it it, it it's very interesting to me. But again, I, I go to Xbox Most Played. Right. Someone, I think, tweeted me today, like, the Duke said Cyberpunk wasn't going to be and, 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 and it's Starfield. And they like, and I'm like, I'm looking at Xbox Most Play right now. It's number three and Cyberpunk is, I guess, 10 or whatever it is. So, again, <laughs> like, I don't know what you want. Like, I'm, am I supposed to dislike this game because you hate it or... Am I am I not going to acknowledge? Yeah, if it has a flaw, of course we've acknowledged it. But I think this is that selective hearing that we talk about, where people pick and choose and take stuff out of context without listening to the whole show and understanding our full spectrum of the opinion. So I don't know. It's just it's a wild time. Yeah, <laughs> a wild time. The what happened with me because I was originally going to review for it, so I got a review code for it. But then Assassin's Creed came in, and I got to play to my strengths. Like I'm not gonna. I saw one thing I will say in Forza's defense is. The Defining Duke Discord was, I don't know the outlet, so I should have tracked that, but um, they did share some reviews from major outlets that were like, I'm not a car guy. I'm not a racing guy. And I do respect that approach because it would be the same approach as mine. Like, can this game win me over? But right. I don't know if I'm a major outlet who has the ability to pick out like mm-hmm. you're a car guy or a girl. Like, OK, mm-hmm. come review this for us. And like you can work with someone to get them that code so that it's more in the hands of someone who sees the strengths and weaknesses of the game better. Like that's what I would have done personally, um, where I was trying to play with my strengths with AC Mirage being a series I'm way more familiar with, way more intimate with, way more in love with, and um, would have more value to say there. Whereas I saw with Forza Motorsport, there were reviews going out from outlets saying like, I don't know anything about cars. So like and they gave it like a, a, a middling score. I'm like, you know, that's something worth monitoring, too. It's Absolutely. not in mass. It was a couple, but it is it's not to defend the game either. It's just something worth keeping an eye on. No, absolutely. Which is that I think outlets do have the response. Like I can just again, as I said before, I talked about this in the Starfield review process. So it's, now, you know, it wasn't just a one note moment of like sometimes people get just put in these shitty positions. And I'm sad to say that games do suffer because of that in the, in the critical space um, where like, again, I think some of Starfield's reviews suffered because like people would put 40 hours into it and be like, all right, that's it. Or 30 hours into it and say like, yep, I've seen enough. Like this is my final review. I'm like, that game has way more to show you and you owe it to yourself to see it. To, to You may end up hating it more and that's important to hear or liking it more. Um, that's important to hear as well. So yeah, I'm going on and on and on. No, no I think, I, think- is I, I just think that the, the critic, the review process is eating up some of these sites where they're not putting, it's like, it's like having a quarterback and not using the plethora of wide receiver talent you have. I'm a Falcons fan. I feel like I'm watching it every week now, just watching Desmond Ritter try to deploy to all these two. It's fucking horrible, right? It's like the same shit here. Um, so that's all I've got to say on that. No, la- I agree. I think the last point is, I think sometimes we look back at history and there's moments where I think sometimes we do get it wrong in the moment. And there are times where there are critically acclaimed games and we look back. But if you look at the year it came out, it wasn't rated high or it wasn't a game of the year or whatever, any of that, and it lost out to something else. But we consider that, that was the game, right? And again, there are some games like that that I feel that at the moment, history did not 
review it <laughs> to the acclaim that it actually eventually reached. And that that to me, I've got tons of games like that, bro. I don't know if Mass Effect even won. I got to look. I don't know if Mass Effect won at the time it came out was like mm. the number one critically acclaimed game. This was the game of the generation when it first came. I remember a lot of these games, they were tons of pushback and like, oh, it's still flawed here and I don't like this and this, that. But they were inflection points. And I think, I, I, I'm going to admit, I think Starfield is going to be one of those games that it may, again, the core base as far as, first forget the core base. I'm, I'm going to kill that narrative. This game is being played by millions of people, like tons of people. We have the engagement for that. So that... I, I'm not. I think it's one of those games that cri- the critics may have gotten wrong at the time, or may have been way too aggressively harsh on it. And when we look back at it, it's still one of those games that people to this day still play. Because I look at what the people are doing. The people are playing. They're not getting caught up with all the critics. That's the f- interesting thing about the Starfield debate. And I'm curious, you know, with other other games of that ilk. So. Yeah, I, I'm in 100% agreement with you that I think time is going to be sh- extremely kind to Starfield above probably all the games that have come out this year, uh, barring Baldur's Gate 3, I think just because yeah, of Baldur's. the sheer replay value there. But Sick. I think Starfield's going to go down as a game that is, for many people, the prisoner of a moment, and rightfully so. you got Cyberpunk and... Baldur's Gate 3 sandwiching it, which I think exposed flaws of the game in multiple different ways. But I think long term, as it's separated from the noise and the conversation, much like Cyberpunk was, mm-hmm. once you get away from that noise and people start to come around and appreciate it more for its various things it does, I am with you that Starfield will be a game that's celebrated for doing something different. Doesn't mean you gotta love it. But yeah, it doesn't mean you gotta love it. Don't listen to me. I'm just defending Xbox out here. That's what they'll tell you. Bro. <laughs> Go tell you. Pull up your points for the week. Okay, we like Starfield. Yes. yes, yes. Thank you, Xbox, for that. And uh, what, else they, what else did they tell us to talk about this week? All oh, right, Brady, yes. Brady Ramsey has the right in here. Thank you for writing in. Hey, Dukes, now that October is officially here, do you guys have any plans to jump into some spooky games? If so, which ones? I plan on booting up Blasphemous 2. Also, I just want to give a, sh- a quick shout out to Maddie. Lately, I've been watching an episode of Rebound. Why can't I speak? Lately, I've been watching an episode of Retro Rebound every day before work. It's really helped with the early morning anxiety. Nothing makes me forget about work quite like a GameStop man juice alert at 5.30 a.m. Brady, shout out to you. And I appreciate you letting me be a part of your daily routine. That makes me really happy, by the way, because not just you letting me be a part of that routine, but uh, Retro Rebound was always supposed to be a like comforting channel like that's always what the essence of it was supposed to be even in like the reviews and the critical stuff like it was always supposed to be like fun spirited and nice. so i'm happy to see like that's resonating does cog do you have any october games planned for yourself or are you just going to be getting swamped by all the upcoming releases like you know yeah. does black suit spider-man count as a, a spooky I game guess, yeah i'm cheating yes <laughs> that would be it because yeah it, it's just what Bro, I, I blame I blame Sega, man. It's their fault, bro. It, it's, it came out here and Atlas won't come out here. You know what I'm saying? And Persona 3 Tacticals out here. And then they RGG just destroyed me, bro. Like Ishin and now they talking, man, without that was the one. The man who raised his name was the one. Yeah. I, I gotta I gotta get Makiri. You're gonna be proud of me, man. I, I just ordered. I, I ordered from um Japan. I ordered this sick like a dragon shirt. Sick, okay. sick, sick. Okay. You're gonna you gonna be proud of me. 
I ain't gonna spoil. You gonna see. You gonna yeah, yeah. Oh. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just ordered some stuff, and um, bro, it's gonna it's gonna kill me the next two months. So I didn't plan mm-hmm. on that. And now that you're telling me, Mirage is well, Mirage. It, well, actually, no, I can't. I'm gonna actually gonna play Mirage because um, we just got a code. I had to just tell him we got a code for it. Late, but okay. Hey, thank you, yourself. <laughs> well, uh, you saw my man up. Yeah, it's cool. It's all good. It's, all, it's it was a ton of games anyway. Even if it came early, it's just so much. Look, I can relate. PlayStation's yeah. giving me the same fucking email response twice in a row from Spider Man Two. Bro, I was just like, heart. I'm bro, like, this is I, the I original Peter Parker right now. Same on. copy and paste twice, man. It's wow. laughable. It's crazy. it's crazy. Now yeah. you're trying to slander them. Like it's nah. it's not just me. Like they they've done this to other people, but just yeah. like yeah, there's there's not a human responding to me. Yeah, which you is can tell what it's really the- uncommon in talent management, influencer or content creator, whatever the hell they call us nowadays. Management. It's usually a human, and yes. uh, it's the same email twice in a row. I was like, okay, I was like, I'm not getting the code then. Yeah, that sucks. It is just like um, as far as the um. Spooky game. I mean, yeah, I don't think there's anything on my list that qualifies unless we talk in Venom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what about you? What's your spooky? I was thinking of finishing Paranorma Site this month. Mm-hmm. Um, this is that short little visual novel game that I people may remember back in April. I called out. Um, I started on my Switch and it's a Square Enix horror visual novel game and it is really good. And I played a couple hours of it and then uh, never had a chance to finish it because you guessed it. Review season swept me up off my feet, and so I was on to the next thing. I was also very scared to play it by myself, so I was also not going to do that. So I, you know, yeah, I had to delay some things at times, or I may have had a moment or two to play it. Uh, but yeah, I really want to finish that because there, are, I'm in that mode now, Cog, where there are a lot of games like I want to finish Rain Code, I want to finish Paranormal Sight, and so on and so on because. There are a lot of games I want to make sure I can consider for my game of the year conversation. I want to do a top 10 list this year, not top five, because there's been so many good games this year. And so I want to make sure like the unfinished ones get done and that I hit the rest of the major notes like your Spider-Man 2. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do Alan Wake 2 this yeah. month just because I'm not super into and I don't, I mean into as in like I am not f- overly familiar with the Remedy verse. Like I gotcha. played Alan Wake 1 once. Right. I did not do control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, so I'll make two. I'm just like very disconnected from no, beyond the you. gameplay and presentation looking spectacular. What is making that game special narratively that I would, it would probably go right over my head. Got you. So right now that's what I'm looking at is paranormal site as the, mm-hmm. the spooky game. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Cog time for some news, light news week. As I said, let's start off with number one, Starfield is going to be supported for at least five years, according to Todd Howard when chatting with Ted Price in an interview on AIAS Game Maker's Notebook podcast. And uh, this was in the same note of, of Todd mentioning like the way that they make the games nowadays is about how long is someone going to play this and, and building something to last, um, where they've been thinking about Starfield, how's it going to look in three months, six months, one year, two years, three years, four years, five years, and so on. So... Uh, yeah, they're building this thing to last. It's going to be supported for a while. This to me is like very exciting news, but also kind of like sad news. It's exciting because Fallout 4 has always been a missed opportunity to me. Like I feel they abandoned that game way too quick to go. They had to because of money, but I think they would have hung with that game way longer because of its success, uh, but they went and made 76. And so Nuka World was the last DLC and there was so much to be left to do. Um, and so Todd was saying in this podcast, like, 
as fans, you want us to add more because you see opportunities to do more. And like we as developers want to do that too. And typically you're not able to do that. But with Starfield, it looks like they're going to be handling things differently. The thing that makes me sad is what I mentioned earlier about like we're building these games to go for years and years and years to support the Game Pass model, which means that, and I get it, right? The business needs are there. Like you need Starfield to not, for how much you pour into these games, Starfield cannot be the flavor of the month. It has to be the flavor of every three months, every six months. Like it's got to have beats, right? And it's going to. Um, but I'm excited because I saw there was a lot of missed potential in this game, like like House of Varun. Um, I'm not even talking gameplay. I'm not talking about explore, oh, exploration. Right. I'm talking I, story. Like absolutely. I want to know more about House of Varun. Andreja's the shit, man. Yeah. I want to know more about her and who she's connected to. I want to go to that home world. Great I want to meet people from that. Yeah, I want to know more about the serpent. And undoubtedly, that's going to be one of the DLC they do. But um, mm-hmm. I'm curious for you, Cog, because uh, I've gone on a lot about this. Yeah. What do you what do you make of Starfield getting at least five years of support? Bro, I, man, I am so happy. Like, you have no idea. Nice. Like, again, for the opposite spectrum who say, hey, you know, these games are antiquated, whatever. Nothing gets me more excited than a Bethesda studio game. It's it just I've always equated it to the fun factor. When I'm playing the game, how much fun am I having? And I know it's a problem because I can't stop. It's like, yo, one more thing, then I'm gonna do this, and then I'm like, I'm always, and then it, it, they go to my sensibilities: looting, <laughs> scavenging, assessing, going to new places, and mm. and and quest lines that are really meaty that I feel like. I do have influence over, or I know where is this going to lead to. And in this particular game, there are so many, like you said, story beats, faction beats. Like, for example, when we do the Vanguard quest and you go to the museum, there's a section of a house of a room that's extremely deep. I'm like, yo, I want to know more about this and the leader and this subset faction and this, that, and the third. And then, you know, the great war with the with the mechs and how they between the uh, Free Star Alliance and and the um, the Vanguard and how like they really had like a cease and desist on the tactics they were using when the war got vicious. Right. There was like some people was using other people were using like it got. It got deep, and the freestyle was was busting. It. <laughs> they was doing that thing, and they had to say, "All right, all right, guys, we gotta we gonna stop." Yeah. So for this, because we're gonna destroy each other. There's so much. I, I get. I always tell people, do the Vanguard, do that museum. It literally, oh god, bro. It felt like I was legit in the American Museum of History in this plan, in this universe. And I'm like, and I this time I took Andrea the first time. This playthrough, I'm taking um, Cole, who clearly has Freestyle. Um, yeah, interesting. And it's interesting with Sam Cole, because like I joined the Freestyle before that. He was like, that's a good idea. His his feelings about the Vanguard are very strong. That's and, interesting, because I took Sarah with me, and she served in UC. And bro, so she has different reactions to it. And yeah. that's what I love about Star- the ideology, the politics, and the personalities that come into it. And I have to mm-hmm. say, they can, I, I love, I go front. You know, I don't never come for the great, the black rock, but it's clear. But that's the look at what they did. I said, okay, we like that. We're going <laughs> to run up you on your, your joint because 
it literally feels like I'm with a person who has their religion and their yeah, ideology. Sure, and they like, yo, bro, that's not it. What do you, what do they talk about at this museum? Mm-mm. Like they jump in it, it again. It, it just, it, it plays to my sensibility, but back on point five years. Yes, 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 yes. I want more content. I want more expansions. If it's a yearly beat, you just need, you know, Hey, great. I, I don't mind seeing you. I don't mind. And, and to your point, I have to admit, I would love there to be some type of expansion that builds on these procedures. Cause I'm going to be real Maddie. I don't really go to the procedure. I don't even go to them planets. I'm going to be real. I'm just like, all right, that, that's cool that they exist. The only time you're going to get me to stop on one of them planets is if I was in a dog fight, shot your thing down in a crash site and there's loot down there and I'll go to the planet cause it's loot down. Or there's an emergent event Someone's asking for help or something happens and then I'm like, okay, cool, I'll go down there. But I'm sticking to the major zones or where quests take me. I am not jumping on freestyle. So what I would like them to do is creatively include those procedurally generated planets in a way that makes it exciting. So I will give you that point because I really don't don't do that part. But there's so much stuff for yeah. them to do. Oh it's just God. wasted space, right? Like that's yeah. the thing. They got to make use of the space that's there. Yes. I mean, it's wasted space for people like us, I should say. There are for people us. who like to engage with that. Yeah, absolutely, and, absolutely. And, and, you know, go to every planet they can find and build, build outposts and, and whatnot. But I think for people like us, the, the best thing that Bethesda could do is really build out a few star systems beyond what they have here. And and make planets have more than one location worth visiting. That's the problem that I, I noticed with Starfield is you'll drop down. It's one thing if it's like New Atlantis. There's a lot to New Atlantis, oh, yeah, New Atlantis so I don't mind that it's oh, one yeah. thing there. But like, there's this one place called like One of a Kind Salvage, and you I think you drop there for the UC Vanguard quest line. You go there, and it's like a salvage yard, and there's a reason why it's a salvage yard. That's really cool. It's very interesting. Um, but it's just this one hot spot on a huge planet. I'm like that. Doesn't make sense to me that, like for example, that the I got a it's a light spoiler, it's a side quest, mm-hmm. but I need to get into it. Like, there's a side quest where it's about the Paradiso place. Like, you know, hey, we have this resort here, and this colony ship's coming in. Like, no, we have to land. Oh, I know there. that quest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yo, there's a whole planet, guys. What the fuck are we doing here? And they're like, no, we gotta land there. <laughs> claim this. I'm, I'm like. Oh, and I get it. Like, it's part of the fun of the quest. But I, in my head, I'm like, there is so much unused space. It's not even like a planet has been colonized. A pocket of a planet is colonized, right? There's not even full continents on any of these planets. It's just a little patch. And you're like, no, nah, no, we got to go right here. This is what we deserve. I'm like, I don't get that at all. No, to me, it just screams in my face. Like, you need to. One planet can have multiple places to go. I think that would be a great starting point. They need to take some of these star systems and fill them out because I can tolerate like the Gagarins, like the little mining colonies and whatnot Mm -hmm. with your bigger cities like New Atlantis. That's the kind of life that we were looking for in Fallout 4 where there was only two cities in Diamond City and Good Neighbor. I just think they need to carry it a step further. So that would be one big thing for Mm -hmm. me It's just filling these planets a little yeah, bit more and i don't know if i'm being overly optimistic with that kind of stuff man like i don't know if that's where they're gonna go because to me i feel like they got those list of pc yeah specific issues that they had to fix they said they were gonna do city maps so that's probably gonna be in the next one but gameplay wise like i just wonder what they're going to tackle first if I anything think- like i think survival mode is an easy one it feels like you can tell the systems were just pulled yeah, out of the game out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah like you can see so many remnants of that where they they were definitely making a survival game at first but it was mm. probably 
way too hard. I think there's tons of narrative beats, though, that they could still approach. There's so much that they could talk about. I think, yeah, here's the thing. Xbox wants this to be their most played game. So I can see it, man. I think we may get, you know, how many expansions Skyrim got? What is it about? I want to say about three, four, Um, five. It got Dragonborn. Dragonborn. It got got Hearthfire. Mm -hmm. It got, I'm forgetting the name of it, but the Vampire DLC. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one, I forgot about that one. I think that one, how much... DLC did Skyrim get? Yeah, I'm curious. Um, yeah, three, three. Yeah, I can guard is what it was called. Yes, oh, yeah. bro, I could see it. I could see it. I, I, I do want one that really transforms the behavior of the galaxy as well, too. You know, mm. to see something that really emergent on a galactic level that truly changes the game. That would be really something dope too. And then I can't spoil because I'm going to talk about and no new game, but there's some other ideas I got there that I'm like, yeah. they've, they, they're flirting based on dialogue choices post new game plus that I think are very interesting. I love that they're flirting with. I think you could do even a step further. Yeah, I feel like they wait a year for that, right? So that you can kind of comfortably, I put in quotes, spoil for people. Yeah, we're like adding more things here. Post game based on what happens and things I can't spoil. Because eventually most people are going to be. To get to that point, right. right? So when you get to that point, they've already hinted at possibilities that are mind-blowing already. They've already got some scenarios that are mind-blowing already, but you could get aggressive with this new thing that's happening in New yeah. Game Plus. And I, I think that's also, that'd probably be like DLC Expansion 3, though, or, something, or whatever, like they would have really flesh out. I think there's potential here, but I, I can't wait. It'll be interesting to see. But yeah, to your point, fix the core issues. City maps, please. I hate when I go to a town and I, it's like, just tell me where the stores are, bro. Like, like yeah. sometimes I'm like, yo, where's the medical at? You know? <laughs> yeah, true. You know what I'm saying? Just basic quality of life stuff. Get that done. Populate them planets that are procedural and give us some more reasons to do that. And then really start tacking on this real narrative, strong story B and post new game plus content. I would love that. Agreed. Any extra thoughts on Starfield getting about five years of support, sir? Yeah, I think it's great. I think, um, again, this is what Xbox wants as well. I think this is, they, they both align, and yeah. this is going to be their j- forever game for the generation. And what'll be cool is every year or two years that we go to a, a Xbox, you know, what you call showcase, this would be like, oh, they coming. Like, this is what we wanted from Halo. We were like, oh, where's the. I was about to say, we thought Halo was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, yo, where's the Battle Royal at? Where's the, you know, the Warzone? Where is it at? Like, where's the story beat for the next joint? What's going to happen with Atriox? And you know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I want. And Starfield yeah. seems to be is going to take that place that I want Halo Infinite to have. And I think, uh, according to Microsoft, they're fine with that. <laughs> I mean, they're not happy to have the Halo Infinite, but they're fine to at least have one of those to keep iterating on. I'm telling you, I'm telling everyone. BGS is the team. This this brand is going to build around facts. Just come back to the show when we're here, we're much older in 2028. We're talking about Elder Scrolls six being the launch game. Woo! I don't think it's going to be another halo. Duke said it first. And so I just, I just think this is the team they're going to build around because they're going to, they're seeing Forza horizon five numbers from a single player RPG game. Like, bro, 
It is <sighs> third place. Again, I tell people all the time, Fortnite, Call of Duty, these are monsters of engagement, multiplayer, transact. There is none of that in Starfield. It is a strictly single player. It is number three. It finally went from two to three. It's going on, Most man. played Xbox game with no multiplayer. That is impressive. That's why I keep laughing well, at that. After lunch, you know, usually it kind of... Yeah, this is the tape. Their taper down went from two to three. Ahead of Rainbow Six Siege, which is in the middle of a resurgence. NBA 2K24, which is the, the sport... All my, my, my dude bros, every NBA 2K. Yeah. Every NBA season is about to start. Do that. Roblox, Apex Legends, Grand Theft Auto, Minecraft, Madden. In the month of Madden season... This is number three, and that's number, bro, this is super impressive. That's why people miss me with this failure. Maybe they don't like it, but the people have spoken. They are playing this game. That's why. <laughs> I don't listen to y'all. Y'all, in the, when I say y'all, <laughs> the, you know, the people that select sub few that are in their feelings because they are not objective for whatever reason. These are the, whole, the, the hardcore facts that Xbox and Bethesda's looking at. That's why this game is going to be around. That's why I said this could be one of those ones where we look back. The people have said, no, it's like user choice versus critic choice. Users have spoken. The players have spoken. Yeah. And it adds, not that there was any doubt, but it adds validity to, to what you were saying about Starfield smashing every conceivable metric internally because committing to at least five years is, you know, it's certainly not Halo Infinite's 10 plus year plan, but to commit to that kind of support as Bethesda game studios, they didn't even do that. I mean, I don't blame them, but they didn't even do that for the only live service game they ever did in 76. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually they said we had a multi-year plan after they stabilized the thing that was dying. Like mm-hmm. that's when they were like, okay, now we got a, now we got a roadmap that goes on multiple years, but for Starfield to be in its first month, then they're like, yeah, we're going to be around for five years with this game. At least yeah. is uh, crazy to think about. And I'm sure it'll get at least, I think it's going to get the Skyrim treatment. I think it's going to get like three major pieces. I think it's going to get that marketplace I've been telling everyone about. I think it's going to get the console. Well, not think it's going to get the console mod support creation club. That's a whole nine yards. And then eventually the updates have to taper off into more maintenance focused stuff. Because if you're Xbox, you want this game to get a lot of play, but are you going to start making a Starfield team or who's going to do the Elder Scrolls? Like who's moving on to Project ES6? Right, the right, one right. that you think Starfield's driving players right Ooh. now? If Elder Scrolls 6 Bro. is even a modicum of decent, just a little bit decent. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, watch out. Yeah, That is going to be, that is going, I still have always said, that is going to be the next cyberpunk in the terms mm-hmm. of hype, anticipation oh, build up where cyberpunk a massive triple a game i know it was not what many people wanted at launch i still loved it but mm-hmm. that game made its money back on pre-orders yeah bro <laughs> it broke even on before the game came out that's unheard of mm-hmm. so elder scroll 6 i think will accomplish something quite like that and uh they would be wise to balance these two out like how do we support starfield long enough to keep people interested and by the way for people like me this is them learning from what happened with fallout starfield should be supported and it may invalidate what i said a couple episodes ago i don't know if you need a starfield sequel and especially seeing this Mm. you definitely don't need a starfield sequel 
especially when the half the, the game is on a disc and the rest is in the cloud. Um, there's no preservation here with Starfield. So it's going to go, it's going to fucking go away one day. And that'll be it. Uh, so just ride this shit into the ground. Right. That's, that's what I say. That's the, that's, that's my, uh, that's my hot take on it. <laughs> Maddie rebound is talking. <laughs> no, but yeah. I, I hate what you said. I hate you said. Um, look, I, it, it is making it interesting with Starfield success like this. And when we're hearing stuff, because Again, it's like, where would Elder Scrolls fit this generation? That's what I'm trying to, I'm not saying it's impossible. It could come at the very tail end, but man, it sure would make a great kickoff to a new generation of Xbox that is trying to push console gaming subscriptions, Game Pass subscription. Boy, would that be a boover. Dude, just saying. All I'm saying is when I reviewed AC Mirage, Mm -hmm. did two really dope things. And it was through the power of the cloud. Mm-hmm. Okay. Behind me, hold on, let me grab it. What you got? What you got? Is the underrated, uh, the underappreciated uh, Logitech the gaming G-Cloud. G-Cloud handheld. The battery, you had a battery indicator. So I know you've been playing yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This thing has been getting use. Mm-hmm. So what I did, remote play stream mm. to the couch out there, mm. watch a little Gilmore Girls with Laley while mm-hmm. playing some Mirage. Nice. Amazing. Then, God, it was time for bed. What you doing? Dude, I felt like I was cheating in life. I'm like, how, like the distance between my Xbox and where my bedroom is, it's a pretty big gap. Hmm. Like, how good is this internet? How good is this device? I was like, I got to give it a test. Mm -hmm. Bro, I was playing from across my house with this thing in hand, remote play. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> and I'm, I, dude, I wasn't capturing gameplay at that point because yeah. I had to shut down my computer. Bro, I shut off the console from bed. and just <laughs> So I say all that because once gamers evolve into mm-hmm. that lifestyle where like, look, I am retro rebound. All right. Like I am the game preserver. But I cannot deny that is a fucking amazing feeling that I am like getting my work done from bed in the other room. And I'm not, I love this room, but I'm not hunkered down in one room. That balance experience combined oh. with a game like ES6, that's going to be powerful. It, it's going to be powerful it's the future stuff there. there. Their ecosystem's ready to take on that many players. Completely agree. All of that stuff. And, and then even from a simple standpoint of, I was running around all day today and I got like ton of stuff to do. I'm driving. I'm like, wait a minute. And I get home, it's going to suck. I'm going to have to install um, lamp lighters. I'm going to have to install all these games that I really got to play. I'm like, wait a minute. Why am I stressing? Open up the app, pre-install the console, boom, came home. All the stuff was ready for me to go. Again, it's it's this is where stuff is going, right? And, and that, that's that transition. And, and again, with the cloud and stuff like that, so... Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's one of those those conveniences and, and benefits that I think probably the majority ends up catching up and us, us older guys, we hold it up because we understand. We do love game preservation. We do understand it, but it's the conveniences and where things are going sometimes. 100%. Next up, last bit of news here. Let's talk about Xbox Game Pass. What's coming soon to it? On October 4th, you're going to get Warhammer 40K Darktide on cloud and Xbox Series consoles. Forza Motorsport, as we talked about, is coming out October 10th to cloud PC and Xbox Series consoles. From Space is going to cloud console and PC on October 12th. And as Cog mentioned earlier, Like a Dragon Ishin is going to cloud console and PC on October 17th. Meanwhile, leaving Xbox Game Pass, all of these are exiting October 15th. Evil 
is leaving cloud console and PC. Overwhelm is leaving PC. Shenzhen IO is leaving PC. The Legend of TN Ding. This is a great Metroidvania style game. Mm. Console PC cloud. Trek Tiomi console PC cloud and Turnip Boy commits tax evasion. I wish I was fucking kidding, bro. I swear. I want to get our game onto Game Pass. And if Turnip Boy can, I'm going to slander. If Turnip Boy can make it, my game better fucking make it. Someone throw me a bag ASAP. I swear to God. You can't have Turnip Boy out here. That's Turnip funny. Boy committed an atrocity, is what happened here. That name is classic. Hilarious. I got to see what this game looks like. I got yeah, just I gotta, the name I now. Walk. I just got to know yeah, yeah. what it is. That's funny. This is insane. This mm-hmm. is one of the craziest games I've seen. Unbelievable. Anyway, Cog, of course, we know you're going to be there for Like a Dragon Nation. Anything standing out here on the playlist? Warhammer 40K, Dark Tide. Um, I should make it clear, by the way. Yes. I am doing a little 60 second ad spot for this game coming up because it's releasing on Xbox. So just make sure people know that. Which game? Which game game are you doing a little ad? Which one? Uh, 40K, Dark Tide. Oh, okay. Cool. It's coming out on Xbox. So I just want to make sure that's clear before I offer any opinions. Transparency. Um, But. Yeah, Cog, is there anything here that you're going to be downloading and playing beyond Like a Dragon Nation? Yeah, I mean, come on. Obviously, Forza, we still rock it. Just to, get, I want, just to do the more of the simulation experience, more of the, you know, and online. That's what I would I really want to test more online and see what that's about. But um, nah, it's, it's about the issue, man. It's about the issue. And I will say, though, um, can we start giving, it's been a, I would say like a three-month stretch Game Pass been cooking, man. Yeah. It's yeah, been cooking, we've been Liza P was in this month. Like, every month it's like, it, what I'm noticing is not like six, seven. It'll be like three, four. But like, all of them really solid, different genres, but solid in each genre kind of energy. And I, I'm liking what I'm seeing. They're in a good spot, bro. They're in a good spot. Okay, yeah. at least that's my opinion. But what do you think? I agree. I agree completely. I think when you know, when three out of your four games, this is no disrespect to From Space, but when three of your four games are like very recognizable titles coming in the first half of the month, where you already have a tentpole in Forza Motorsport, right? I think, again, this is what we talked about in our crossover episode is more of what you can expect uh, moving forward from Xbox is they're going to surround their big releases with less games. But those games will be hopefully of a higher quality, you know, Warhammer 40K Dark Tide. I know released pretty broken and it was super delayed on consoles, but they updated like 13 times now. Um, mm-hmm. So the game's in a much better state. Like a Dragon Ishian's apparently amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, You know what I've been thinking? I really want to do like a full Yakuza series. I see that. I was, I was like, I, that is so Mr. Batty plays YouTube channel. Yeah, like I I've just... done it with Trails and I've done Yakuza 1 and 2 mm-hmm. and obviously like Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to see Yakuza 0 and I want to see if I can do 3, 4, 5, and 6. That's pretty ambitious, but I really love the spirit of these games, even like with my issues with like a dragon, like I love the spirit of these games and the worlds they've built. And like, by the way, I don't think as like a developer, this team gets enough credit for how they reuse assets without RGG. any shame. They're like, yo, same town. Kamarucho, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, you like Kamarucho? And again, and again, and again, and again, like without shame, like it's so, it's so business savvy because they make just really fucking good stories and gameplay and like mini games that just distract people. And they're like, yeah, you're in the same place again. But like now you can play Virtua Fighter 4. Like that's yeah. everything. So, um, it's awesome. What you call it though? Infinite Wealth, I believe, is 
Hawaii. Yeah, Infinite Wealth is a different one. And yeah. then I think Like a Dragon added that whole different uh, district that I'm forgetting yes. the name of. So, yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, so like, and that was one of the things I liked about Like a Dragon is it felt like a real expansion. And I know, but see, the thing. Then they reused it. You know where they went to? They like lost judgment. Yes. Buddy, what's up? Here Let's, you go. <laughs> here you go. Here's Use this. Yep. Do something with this, all right? That's a fact. Make an action game here. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> Uh, I want to. I'm getting the Yakuza bug a little bit, and I, I want to get some Yakuza in my system ahead of Infinite Wealth. Because here's the thing: now that you guys have put me on the back foot so much, now I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna be like the dude who, like, you didn't see all summer. I'm gonna show up jacked. I'm gonna show up with all of this Yakuza knowledge at the start of 2024 and be like, "Oh, you want to talk about this character in Infinite Wealth? I thought you knew more than me. Oh, you were busy with segways. I'm talking about you, not Skywalker." I'm talking about you, not Skywalker. I know you're listening to this. Oh, yeah. You and your it segues. It goes on. It's going to be interesting. Don't let there be any fumbles in your man history that we go find out. <laughs> I, like, I can't wait. I'm, oh, I'm, trust me. I'm going to be a historian, too. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> We're going to see. I can't, I can't wait. This is, this is going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. That's coming out what? February? Um, yeah, we got February. We got October with like a dragon ancient. I believe the man yeah, is, well, is November. Yeah, for the web was like, I think it's like, what, February or something like that? Yeah, that's what I was asking. Because I know Man Without a Na- or Erased His Name was November. November, yeah. So we yeah. got a short period between Ishan and then that. So yeah, it's it's going to be crazy, man. Yeah, Infinite Wealth is January 26th. Oh, boy. Ooh, my, so, wind- yeah, my window is tight. Tighter. It's what tighter. Are, what are they doing there? You know, that's the thing I'm wondering. Do you th- mm-hmm. not, to, not to drag this on any longer, you but you dropped Ishan. Mm-hmm. You're dropping men who raised his name, and now you're dropping a new one a couple months after. Like, is it Sega must be seeing something from this to keep doing it, but especially Bro. with judgment in the mix, which is in the like a shared world game, which I'm just waiting for them to just cross over eventually and yeah. just be like, and now they're both here. Like, this is the third layer. Like, now you've got Kiryu, Ichiban, and uh Yagami. Like, mm-hmm. I just I feel like they're gonna do it eventually. So it's gonna become this RGG verse. Maybe that's the goal. Mm, that's what it's gonna be. Crazy. Yeah. But um, do you think they're doing like they're quality games? But do you think they're doing too much? I think what it is is they again got to talk about talk when like a dragon came out. I should have asked where they like a dragon. They like wait a minute, y'all like this? We giving y'all one, and y'all really oh my god. So I think that's what it is. They they're so blown away because I think a lot of Japanese developers when they make things that are completely Japanese sensibilities and culture, they get worried that the West ain't really going to pick it up. I remember even hearing this story with um, Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. They were shocked that y'all love this traditional feudal, like, really? Okay, we're going to give you more now. Mm. So I think that's what's happening. And I think my man's reception was the highest and thus sparked a new interest in bringing back, don't fix your hair now, <laughs> bringing back this series that people need to know about. And I think now what it is is into your man's defense. They're like, okay, you guys are just getting in it now, but you need to know who Kirio is. You need to know what he's been through. Mm-hmm. And now the guys that, that like him now, with Ichiban, and the traditionalists have been there from day one. They're merging the world. And I think it's, but part of it was a hedge bet because I'm gonna be. I'll give you this. I think they were nervous with Ichiban and like a dragon because they're like, we're doing something different. We're really not gonna have Kiryu in it. This this could go left. 
that I think they had, that's why I think they ultimately brought them together. It was a safety that just in case the Ichiban thing didn't work out, we got all reliable just in case. But they were blown away that Ichiban did do that. It got the new Yakuza guy into it. And now they're just eating. Now it's like, okay, let's do this little multiverse. Let's do this little, let's see where we can go and let's see where we can take these two characters. So I'm excited. It's a, it's a, it's a good bridge between the old and the new. But I think the success, they remember they came out with that statement. Oh my God, we we're so impressed. We're so happy with the Yakuza series on Xbox and Game Pass. We we didn't see this coming. And I think it's money and a renewed interest into producing more of these joints. But yeah, I think we could get a little shared little multiverse things going on. I'd be surprised too, personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you put Ichiban together, you're like, yo, no one's gonna like this guy. <laughs> It just happens to be the best movie you made. It's crazy to think about. Hedge your bet sometimes. Time for our Game Pass Pick of the Week. I'm up this week, and how about this for more plot twists? Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney Trilogy. I think Don Otaku probably just spilled out of his chair listening to that one. Laylee has been playing this one, and I have been watching from afar, menacingly, (laughs) plotting on her downfall to then swing her into Danganronpa once more, which she has abandoned. But... She's been sticking with it. So I've been watching and uh, I've played and beat the first game in the, Ace, you know, the original Ace Attorney trilogy. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how many games they have in this franchise now, but I can appreciate the game's spirit. And for those of you out there who are maybe not looking for the dark, brooding investigation visual novel series that I find vastly superior in Danganronpa, and it may now be missing off of Game Pass at a particular time to give you time to play something else. Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy is here for you and you can give it a whirl and the reason i say that is it's twofold number one it is comedic it is enjoyable and again it's spirit like it is very fun and light and airy but there are good characters in here like phoenix's uh relationship with i believe her name is maya or mia Uh, i apologize because again i'm watching from afar here and trying to remember when i actually played it but watching that grow is something that is quite paramount to there are like a lot of long-term payoffs in Phoenix Wright that keep people really hooked to these games, um, which is what I'm learning watching lately, like run through them all is um, they are the character growth cannot be denied. I will give them that, um, that there's a charm to these games and the sound effects and the music is really good stuff. Um, so if you're looking for something more of a lighthearted visual novel and a good palate cleanser, like the first Phoenix Wright game, I want to say it's not longer than 20 hours. Like it's a really short game where if you're looking for a, a light visual novel investigation game, talk to people, get evidence. Only critique I really that comes to mind beyond again, like I have a preference in Danganronpa is switching maps is like, you have to just like keep backing out of screens instead of just yeah, having like yeah. a map screen. So it's kind mm-hmm. of old in that way, but I do give Capcom credit because like, this is a series that, I was doing some research and, and Shinji Mikami kind of like told someone, I forgot the name of the gentleman, spun him off from like the Resident Evil team and said like, you know, go make something that you want. And it was just this first game was this passion project. And to see what it's become is actually really inspiring. Like this was, this was like the guy who should have never succeeded, should have never got to where he was. Like for my <laughs> AEW fans out there, this is like the Eddie Kingston of video games. Yeah. Like this man shouldn't be here, shouldn't be on television. He's got all the things that mean he shouldn't make it, but he made it anyway. Cause like he's so. undeniable. Um, and I feel like that's where Phoenix Wright fits in. 
Um, and, and I said it's twofold because don't get carried away to those of you listening. It does mean that I now have you right where I want you if you end up disliking this because there's one pathway to success from there and it is to go to Danganronpa. And even if you do enjoy this and you haven't played Danganronpa, then you go there anyway. But that is why I picked Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney Trilogy. I've been watching Laylee play it. I love the music. I do love the sound effects. The characters are goofy. Um, the, the facial expressions are hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the courtroom battles are captured. Well, for me though, I will just say this mm -hmm. and I know we're not supposed to be super critical during game pass pick of the week. Cause it's more mm -hmm. of a fun light area. Like, but I just, I can't resist that. It's so like, sometimes the goofy nature overtakes this, the seriousness of the case. And I'm just like, can't you guys be serious for one moment? But I, I've always struggled with those types of games. If people haven't noticed, like high, like high on life was as close as you could get to my immature sensibilities, like just cursing every five seconds. And I was like, I ended up just disliking that because of the gameplay. So I lose with these. We're just having fun type games always. But gotcha. if you like that type of game, you might actually like Phoenix, right? More than Danganronpa. So give it a try. It's all out on Game Pass and you can enjoy it for free. Pretty, pretty big of you. When I saw this on the list today, I said, oh, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say about this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, again, yeah. just, just know that I'm not the one playing it. Game Pass Pick of the Week, not by Maddie. <laughs> it's not on my Xbox. Oh, my God. You but, couldn't even grace it? But Laylee wanted it on Switch, so I bought it for her there. Okay. So, so I bought this game twice now. All right, everyone, I bought the game twice now, so step aside. All right, I'm a man of my word. <laughs> Rubber the Duke's baby step show. Baby step, he's coming around, he's coming around. <laughs> All right, we got one more question before we're out of here. Ot Apps has the right in. But to find Dukes, do Xbox need to get some consistency when it comes to accessibility? Xbox were a trailblazer in this space with the Xbox Adaptive Controller back in 2018, but the software doesn't seem to have the same consistent care. Forza Horizon 5 is an example to the industry of how to approach accessibility and has been widely applauded. Then we have Starfield, which has been raked over the coals for its lack of very basic options. It seems that they have the greatest, highest of highs and lowest of lows and everything in between. Sony have made great strides with their software and are not far away from releasing their own accessibility controller. Going forward, how do Xbox get a grip on this as they continue to grow? Could there be a top-down mandate requiring that games meet a minimum standard when it comes to accessibility? What say you? Have a, I hope Cog doesn't accuse me of concern trolling kind of day. Well, that ship is sale. Shout out to Taz, man. That's, that's the whole thing. I respect you. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a really good point because with Game Pass, if your goal is to reach as many people as possible across many screens, you need to have these options baked in. And Starfield was sorely lacking on that front. And when you do play like, Last of Us Part 2 sticks out as one. I'm like pages and pages of options. And I think that to me, that's like the gold standard of accessibility options in a game. Like I've really, I, I don't remember Forza Horizon 5, so maybe that's even better or on the same level. I but good. I know that The Last of Us Part 2 was super impressive on that front. And I'd like to see Starfield, a game that's getting as much play as it does, support that type of stuff um, because it's important at the end of the day. So Cog, yeah. what do you make of Xbox's accessibility efforts as of late in software? Mm -hmm. Great observations by Otaz. Um, the they, they Otaz, real quick because we got a lot of. I, 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 I'm butchering it. He got to let us know how yeah, to pronounce it correctly. I read it like Ottawa apps, but I, I'm like yeah, Ott apps. But apps, I don't know. Apps. You you write it and correct us. Anyway, sorry, no, you correct us. Ott apps. So like, I, I look at Xbox as the pioneer in the space, right? Almost like um, 
they debuted achievement first and then, you know, Sony came and did trophies and they kind of pushed it to the next level. I feel like they debuted. I was there 2018 when the um, I interviewed a gentleman's name is Solomon Romney and he helped design the adaptive controller. And he himself was, you know, affected uh, as, as a um, person with a disability. And it was so cool to see Xbox jump into this space. And I'm like, yo, this is dope. Everybody can get down. So they were the first with that. I feel like lately, I, I think Starfield, in, in fairness, I think Starfield is kind of like an outlier because I do remember Forza Horizon having a lot of um, those type of options. I think Halo as well had the solid ones, but I have to give Sony credit. I remember their accessibility options are so profound that the hardcore were pushing back against them. Even with Grant God of War Ragnarok, people are like, oh, you can take this off, you can take that off, you can mm. make the puzzles. I remember the hardcore really pushing back, like, and Sony stood on their square, like, no, we're making this for everyone, you know, there's going to be accessibility options. And I think even to the point with um either story or difficulty settings as well, it really started to permeate. So yeah, I would, I would say f- from a first party standpoint, Sony's been a bit more aggressive with their first party titles on these features. Whereas for the most part, Xbox has been solid. I don't think they've been terrible, but I definitely, Starfield now comes out as Starfield, an outlier. Starfield's only accessibility option is text size. <laughs> exactly. Like, Starfield came out here and was like, look, man, we just tried to get across the finish line, <laughs> and y'all all here asking for all this extra stuff. So I get where Starfield, no excuses, but I get Starfield, but that's been time, like, bro, we was here, supposed to be here two years ago, <laughs> yeah. and we just got, but I think it's coming. Um, I just don't think the gap is as big as we think it is hmm. but it's a good call out starfield yeah get it together and xbox first party stay consistent with that and i think they'll be fine yeah i agree with not contaminating the vision like when i think accessibility i'm talking about uh you know like blind accessibility options okay. for example like that type mm-hmm. of stuff i don't think about creative accessibility like if i've always said this i always stand on my square on it and i don't think we're very alone on this thought if you want to make a difficult ass game and you are going to filter people with it, let them be filtered. And sorry, yeah. thanks for coming. Thanks for trying out the game. Move on. I know everyone wants to play everything, but that's not how it's been. That's not how it always will be. Um, I get that we're in this renewed push of that, but I just think like, again, on the difficulty front, that's where I do stay strong. I want people to play everything, but like if a developer said like, no, I played, like I look at Liza P, they clearly, they studied Bloodborne so closely i'll probably have more thoughts on that in the coming weeks they studied bloodborne so closely it was obvious they just had it running while they were making the fucking game and that was a creative decision like we want to make something deeply inspired by bloodborne you don't veer from that in your settings you don't it's like you want to create a of an experience that evokes the memories of a previous game and i get some people say like well add an easy mode it's not going to kill anyone but when you now you got to balance all that out they the the you know that's the thing with these the difficulty accessibility part of the conversation is it's it goes far wider than people think because now you got to balance for hard and normal and Mm -hmm. very hard and extreme and 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 there's just scales to it all that don't work out and that's where progression systems come in because they're like well now we got to give them loot to like level them up it just it it gets way too messy way too quick yeah no 100 percent agree because i think 
again, it's the the spirit of what the developer wants to do from a difficulty standpoint. I'm 100% with you. I'm, we, we're, we're in lock and step and key on this one because I feel like at the end of the day, it's their vision. If they want to make a Dark Souls type difficult game, that's fine. They're not barring entry. You could still use adaptive controller to play or you can do whatever. But when it comes down to the difficulty of the game, that should be the vision of, of the guy. And, and here's the other thing. The reason why I'm very strong to support that vision is that there are people who we discover that are savants and it's it's a display of skill. You're like, oh my God, wow, this guy, a girl is so talented in said game. But if everyone were, you know, allowed to do these things so easily, I, I just I just don't agree with that. I think it's always mm-hmm. down to the developer. So yeah, and and I just another thing I think with motorsport, I do want to give them credit though. I think motorsport has amazing accessibility options okay. to the point where um you can have like the blind you know stuff um drive itself again it's all about the developer in, in their vision but i i have to give motorsport credit because i do remember seeing an extensive way the car could almost drive itself or you can be in these competitive kind of races and stuff like that with a lot of um those type of settings so again starfield you know just gotta you know get get in there might want to watch out a little bit yes yeah, so get, get to work get to work anyway ladies and gentlemen that is it for episode 144 of Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast cog. It was a pretty light and airy show this week, but somehow Ooh. we still crossed the three hour line. It yeah. seems so. I know it's kind of crazy. <laughs> it doesn't feel like it though. We're finishing way earlier. It's before 9 p.m. Yeah, yeah. We're doing good. We're doing good. Little, what was it? We doing DD light? <laughs> yeah. I feel like that. I love that. DD, DD light. light. You yeah. want to do L I T E? Yes. The, I like that. Off. I like that. Yes. I All right, like cool. that. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you got this deep, you want to leave your thoughts on Twitter. I am at G27Status. Cog is at Lord Cognito. You can tag both of us with your thoughts on the show. Use the hashtag DDLight so we know what episode you're talking about. Same thing with the YouTube comments. If you don't want to go on social media, hashtag DDLight. Let us know your thoughts on the episode. Cog, it was an absolute pleasure. Ladies and gentlemen, take decent care of yourselves. And maybe next week we'll finally get an answer on what's going on with Activision Blizzard. Oh, yeah, we're getting close. October yeah, we're getting six. close. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we earned ourselves a down week because yes. we'll be on the upswing in a week or two. Or Very downswing. True. Who knows? We'll be dooming. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. What happened? Depending on what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll no, see. No. But ladies and gentlemen, take excellent care of yourselves. And we will see you next time for episode 145 of Defining Duke. Peace out. Peace. Defining Duke, an Xbox podcast, is a product and trademark of Last Stand Media and Collins Last Stand LLC and is recorded from the United States of America. The show is conceived by Matthew Mr. Matty Plays Schroeder and me, Colin Moriarty, and is written and produced by Matthew Schroeder. Matty's co-host is Barry Lord Cognito Eversley. Defining Duke's executive producer is Dustin Furman, and the show is edited by associate producer Ben Smith. All of Last Stand's theme music is by Ramon Narvaez. As you know, all of Last Stand Media's shows, including Defining Duke, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash laststandmedia. The following names are at the producer support level on Patreon, and we're thankful for your kindness and generosity. William Holbert, Stephen Nieder, Ross Marenka, Miguel A. Brewer, Morgan Ashley, Azan, Michael Vecchio, SL the FMA, Daniel Diamor, Brad Cooley, Jeremy Key, Patrick Leslie, Malachi Wall, Dave Cowell, Donald John Vader, Stephen Innerfield, Rallo, Mr. Ayub, Landon Pipkin, Casey Raymond, Corey Tidrington, Exian, Magic Marker 215, Adam Tabiat, Jordan Vallet, Edward Fryrear, Ross R. Lowe, Kevin Hawley, Hugo Delaguia, Austin Lipka, Paul Warren, Harold Eustache, Will Williams, Dinos Roar, Nicholas Renaud, Shane Breck, Jack Singh, 
Finn, Sean Llewellyn, Michael Mash Potato, Sweaty Magic, Nate Izod, Hargeet Chani, Ellis, Albion, Josh Sullinger, Gunner117, Andrew Roman, Lord Starscream, Jacob Donovan, Dark Archer SC, My Name is Mayo, Eddie Medina, Jason Arzan, Sean Hatfield, Christopher Knock, Ryan Daly, Grayson Maxwell, Cody Woodall, Sorta Serious Gaming, Colin Farley, Mark Arnold, Whiskey Sin, Zia Parix, Sean Miles, Relentless Rex, Alan Tiniak, Dustin Klingman, Christian R., Jad Rita, Patrick Skipper, Jeremy Roberts, Luke Aldersley, Dustin Graff, Zach Cohen, Peyton Stone, Ethan, Fozzie Bear, Michael Buffel, Dan Root, Asak Parades, Dante, Talisman, Christopher Morgan, Randall Halsey, Dio or Die, T-Bone 007, Josh Godfrey, Kalike Zuza, Betty Ann Moriarty, Travis, Joe, Ross Chandler, H-Trons, Antonio C, Ryan, Jay Getter, Bjorn Campbell, Theo, Jeff Mercado, Gregory Slavinsky, Jordan Gale, Tikos, Of Fortuna, John Zyle, Boots, Tyler Brown, Megadet, Poot, Gavin Newland, Alex Lapierre, Saul Balcazar, Birdo64, Raul Melendez, Eric Harden, Matt Flowers, Kinnums, Joseph Baker, Kendrick Callis, Jimmy Rodriguez, TB Lightning, Dave Alvarez, Will Hernandez, Chris Galvin, Mason Cadillac, Ollie Fritz, Zach Allum, Kyle Hagel, Colin Love, Daryl E. Naiman, Ryan R. Kittredge, Toby Ryland, Stewie 108, Andy Miller, Patrick Montgomery, Richter 86, Barrett Boswell, Christopher DeVaio, Chris Morton, Joel Holcomb, Johnny Waffles, Roto24, Jonathan Coates, Logan Sharp, Sean Mason, Josh Gravelick, Jordan Town, Brian Chand, Organic Produce, Carlos Algarit, Mike Menzel, Night Draft, James Hayes, Richard Hebert III, Miranda Grubba, Joosh, Tyler Lyle, Martin Beck, Gavin, Jerome Ferreira, Joey Andrzejczyk, Nathan R., Joe McPartland, Gary Cavallo, Christopher Moore, Jacob Bell, Dennis Usel, Lou and Ray Loper, Jonathan Cortez, John Schultz, Tom Quinn, Carlos Chanter, Alan Tremblay, Tyler Bello, Ryan T. Mandel, Pork and Beans, Jean-Francois Forzi, Tony Zaniga, Robbie Hensley, Shane Miller, Alex Cabrera, Corey Dustin, Hugo's Desk, Peter Reynolds, Anthony Vasquez, Adam Kiniston, William O'Carroll, JSC0828, Bo, Jorge Powell, Max Cannon, Thomas Sablin, Phil Crone, Throw7, Adam Nix, Josh McKinney, Michael Gates, Alex Gates, Ryan Robertson, Sean Chandler, Lockmort, Geo Corsi, Joey Gondholiger, Alex Monez, Gerald Pennington, Justin Payne, Justin Wagaman, Austin Riley, Paul Joyce, Alan Hopkins, Chad Lewis, Enrique Perez, Joshua Smallwood, Shane Rayum, Don Lee, John Cordero, Greg Julius, Ashley Carlson, Marius Garson Peterson, Tyler Harris, Kyle Martin, Mad Mock Media, Bo Burkholtz, and Jonathan Rice.